Insurrection is the best time to do a breakup. Insurrection is the best time to do a breakup. Truly. Is going to be on our next round of How's it going? It's going pretty good. It's Just going. Like, what's Monday. We're so close, you guys. We're so close. So close. It's Wednesday. God damn it. Are you pressed? Did you press record, Shantira? Busy, you know I did it. <laughs> well, here we are. I literally thought about it. It was like, I should press it. And then I did it. <laughs> and you did it. And you're talking. Are you guys going to dress up for the inauguration? Are you going to put on a special outfit? What are you going to do? Um, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I think I'm going to like <laughs> make something good. Nice dinner. Oh, that'll uh, be nice. Hope that nobody does anything bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We have a lot of hope, hope for that. Yeah. The, uh, apparently there was a fire that they had to evacuate the yeah, rehearsal for the inauguration. Um, it's like, so did you see that they're like, they have to vet the national guard. Cause they're oh, like, yes, they're like, a lot of people from the National Guard are here, but we're like trying to vet them because we don't know if they'll like try to kill somebody. Oh in my the God. It's really so weird bad. because a number of times I've gotten background checked, like when like Al Gore came on the Rosie O'Donnell show and Hillary Clinton did, and they background checked all of us. And I was like, did they stop doing that at some point where they background check every single person? I think, well, I think that there's, we have a, guys, welcome. Welcome <laughs> to this very special episode of Busy Phillips is doing her best with Shintira Jackson and Casey St. Ange. Hi. Two people also doing their bests. Hi. Their respective bests. <laughs> I, um, I think we're at a very interesting time because I think that the call is coming from inside the house, Casey. So I think that any has... Shout out to Drew Barrymore is fucking in the house. <laughs> in the it's a real scream situation. Matthew Lillard is in the house. Spoiler alert, babies. That's who fucking did it. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking a lot about this because I was thinking about that John Oliver last week tonight that aired uh, around in June, like around the protests, the BLM protests. Yeah. They really always seem to nail it. And um, they did a defunding the police one in June and they highlighted a city in the country and I can't remember where it is now guys I'm sure you can go find it <laughs> but basically what happened was they were having like every city in this country like every place in this country but they knew they had a, a problem with the police force they wanted to fix it so what they did was brought in like a private consulting firm and then every single person had to re reapply for their jobs and then and then receive retraining and like not everyone kept their job i mean most people didn't keep their jobs on the police force yeah. in this town and it was a huge overhaul but it's like made a gigantic difference in this town and you know it just was so illuminating that they were able to highlight that because especially when ever I've posted defund the police people are so quick on my Instagram to like who are you gonna call when somebody's blah blah like, first of all that's not happening you're not calling anyone uh, <laughs> go fuck yourself and secondly like that's you're missing the point entirely but I do think like obviously 
it's just been now, you know, everybody's seen it time and time again. So we have to like, I hope that this becomes a priority for this administration. I hope that like they figure it out. I want to point out that in my husband's town in Massachusetts, when he was growing up, uh, there came a time where they fired the entire police force for corruption. And uh, that that happened and that town is still there and it seems like it all went fine. I'm sure they have police now, but there was a time when they decided to just clean house and you know. Yeah. Well, I think that there's, it's clear that like, look, you know, even in, in the insurrection, the Capitol, whatever, and like you see like the one officer who's like leading people away. You see the other officer who like had to be, who was like trying to get, who was, was going, like they were trying to kill him and he was like, a few people protesters started to help him or whatever and then the guy with the neck tattoo neck hot neck tattoo yeah, guy yeah. and and he's like i guess i would say i don't i've thought about it i guess i would say thank you but also fuck you for being yeah there. yeah which was like okay maybe that guy gets his job back i don't know you know what i mean like i, I just think that there's i was thinking about what you had said shantira about teachers as well oh god that's in this episode this interview that you guys are going to hear later today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we also, but I've seen some tweets that you've had online and, and uh, some of our other friends have like chimed in as well with their own experiences with racist teachers. And the majority of teachers in this country are white women. women. Yeah. And that needs to shift as well. Like we have to do like a complete overhaul of who is educating children and what biases they're bringing into it. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, I talked to my my grandmother about this because she was, you know, in a, a segregated school when she was younger. And she was like, it was the best. One of the things that I think people often don't think about is that we think about desegregation. It's like, oh, like we, we stopped the racism. But what happened was in the black community, teachers were so mm. revered. Like black people going to college back then was a really big deal, right? So you go to college and then you come back to your community and you are the teacher, right? So what happened was all these students, these little black kids were being taught by people who cared about them, loved them, understood their struggle and literally went to college so they could come back and give them the education they deserve. Then they desegregated schools and they put all those little black kids in class with racist white women. So I think that when we talk about the education system, it's not just like, oh, that teacher is bad. We inherently, yeah, we desegregated, but we didn't take the racism out, right? Right. So you have all these amazing black and brown teachers, right? Who cannot get a teaching job because the white schools wouldn't hire them. So now we have an entire generation of teachers that are white women. Right. <laughs> and that's great, well, but like. Well, it's not great. Yeah. It's actually not great because of what's happening. And I have to say, because I do so much stuff with like, I love, I love teachers. I love librarians. I love people who's, who get into the business of helping others gain knowledge. Like that's the most noble amazing thing in the world right. right but if people haven't confronted their own inherent bias yes. and their own inherent racism then they're going to go into situations and they're not prepared they can't they're not prepared for it no. and they don't know how to to meet it they don't know how to meet the challenges 
Just because something is a noble profession doesn't mean that everyone that does that job is a noble person. Just because people have the best intentions, you know what they say about the road to hell, guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've just been having conversations with a, a friend and classmate from high school who was he was the star basketball player like he was like a nationally ranked high school basketball player and from my perspective as a white girl who was friends with him at the time and he he really never said anything at the time because i'm sure he was doing what he had to do to get through everything but I, I, if you would have asked me, I would have said, oh, his life must be really cool. He's a star. He's very celebrated. Everybody loves him. Everybody bends over backwards for him to make it possible for him to do his best at basketball. But now that he's grown, he's started to talk about a lot of the problems with racism in the school. And it's it's horrible because you see it play out. He'll post something about it on Facebook. And then some kids that we went to school with will say I, that didn't happen. I never saw that happen. And it's just like the same thing that, you know, that we keep seeing over and over again. Somebody saying like, well, I didn't see it. And it's like, well, why would you see it? Yeah. You were a white kid in that school. Yeah. I think one of the things too is so wild. Like people are like, well, I didn't see it. I don't believe it. It's like you tell your kids about Santa for years right <laughs> it's like if you can just be like well my kids never seen it but if i tell them we'll believe it you can compartmentalize so many things that are like work for your life that you've never seen and like obviously santa is like a very generic example so like it's so interesting when people are like i could never believe that it's like what would you do at last christmas <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> it also really it it's it stresses me the fuck out, Shantira. Like being believed is a really big deal for me because of whatever mm. set of circumstances in my life. I yeah. feel like there have been a lot of times where I've said, this is what's happening to me. And somebody's saying like, mm, maybe that's not happening or, yeah. you know, whatever. And so it, it when I was a little kid and I would watch um, Sesame Street and nobody ever believed Big Bird about Snuffleupagus, it would like almost make me vomit Yeah, because I would be like, he's telling the truth. Big Bird's telling the truth, you know? So that's how I I feel in these situations it's really like it's very it's wild stressful as I got older I literally talked to my parents this weekend I called them to thank them because I didn't really fully understand like how much work they were doing until I like, got older so like uh um because one of the insurrectionists was like a therapist at like a school I, that was the tweet this is what I'm talking about yeah that I saw yeah. you retweet this and you were like and you told the story that you've told on this podcast yeah um about your own experience with a racist teacher as a little kid yeah i mean like so this this if you haven't heard it but like this uh when i was in high school i was freshman in high school i had like just got my first cell phone so i like it was so funny but my parents have always been like you can call me i will come get you i believe you so this teacher our freshman year in high school was like really mean to me and i had never had an adult be mean to me as a child which is like very confusing because like I was like I've always been kind of a class clown but like not like bad like I had made good grades and sometimes I'd say stuff but like she was really mean to us and I told my mom and my mom was like call me and I was like okay Nisi so I got up and I went into the hallway with the the Nokia that my dad got me for Christmas and I called my mom in the hallway and she came to the school immediately we went to the principal's office and that teacher started crying saying that I was mean to her 
And you were mom, being mean to her. You, was, a child, were, a child were bullying her, right? Bullying her, right? Yeah, and right, then my right. mom, who's always been so great at advocating for me, and I didn't even have the words for that when I was younger. I just knew, come and get me, right? And my mom goes, what did she do that was mean to you? What happened? And she had nothing. There was nothing. It was just this, she, she thought if she cried and said that I was bad, that that would be the thing that was like- Right, and she would be believed because she was a she white was woman. A woman, right? So as I, I called my mom this weekend, because like, you don't think about what happens in your childhood as traumatic until you like get up older. And then like my partner <laughs> was like, that was very traumatic. And I was yeah. like, oh shit. So then I like called my mom and I was like, thank you so much for believing me. And my mom was like, when I was younger, people didn't believe girls. She was like, and, and like, it, it's so much bigger than what you might think. And my mom was like, when I had you, I made a conscious decision to be like, I will always, always, always believe you. Yeah. And then I called my dad too, because a lady called, a teacher called the cops on my dad in one time. And the, the cop ended up being an old football buddy of my dad. So that's like a whole nother thing. But that cop was like, you can leave. And me and my dad left. And I'm like, whoa, like that could have fucked up my whole life if my dad got arrested on school property because some lady decided she was scared like it's crazy and i called my dad and i was like thank you for always coming to get me and he was like that's my job i will never believe anybody over you and he was like because when i grew up and i was like holy shit all these people are carrying around so much stuff that you don't even think about both of my parents who do not like each other very much i called them <laughs> separately and i was like uh and both of them were like I didn't want what I saw happen to other kids when I was younger happen to you. And I was just floating through life being like, my parents are nice. And it's all like, oh, they're trying to protect me from so much racism. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, but here's the deal. Like, you know, your parents' experiences obviously informed how they chose to parent you. Some people don't make some yeah. people don't make those leaps. Some people Absolutely. don't do that. And like, it is worth honoring that your parents were like, made it better for you in that way. You know what yeah. I mean? Cause sometimes parents are like, well, I had it fucking hard. You know what I went through? Yes. Stuck it up. Right. Yeah. It wasn't until I'm 33 this weekend being like, being able to pick up a phone at any time and call your parents to be like, I need you to come get me is is a big deal <laughs> yeah it's actually a, a great deal. it's a great parenting lesson thing for me to hear and probably a lot of people listening um wait i was speaking of gaslighting speaking of this is like a theme i think every probably most women know have been gaslit oh, at yeah. some point in their lives oh, for, for sure. sure right yeah yeah um yeah and there's nothing worse and i was uh texting with a friend over the weekend who has recently gone through their own really intense year of being gaslit by somebody. And I was like, you know that? Who said that the thing that Taylor Swift then like used against Tina Fey? <laughs> the like, there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other <laughs> Well, anyway, I said that there needs to be a new one that's like, there's a special place in hell for men who make women feel crazy in order to avoid the consequences for their own terrible fucking behavior. Oh, yeah. And oh, their yeah. friends that like prop them up and are like, bro, you couldn't help it. 
she was making you miserable. I saw this tweet busy that uh, (laughs) somebody wrote, but it really resonated with me and really speaks to what you said. It was like, a man will be like, how dare you bring up what I did to you and tell me that it's bad. You're bad for bringing it up. And it's Wait, like, but wait, you guys know what? about that. You know the email that I sent back to that person from my book who was so upset about being in my book. Yeah, how dare you, you bring up that? what I did to you? Yes, and I was like, I'm so sorry that I have made your life temporarily, momentarily uncomfortable by bringing up a time when you were an asshole to me. And yeah. it never occurred to him that maybe he didn't need to send me an email to let me know that he now felt, he felt bad. Not about, about what he did. I was, no, I was making <laughs> him about feel that. bad. Yeah. Not about what he did, about bringing up what he did. <laughs> what? Guys. It's like that, what's that um quote where she says about telling your stories? Well, well, there's the there's the the Anne Lamott one that I had like taped to my computer, which was if people wanted you to write yes more warmly about them, then they should have treated you better. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they would have behaved <laughs> then better. They should have behaved better. Right. right, correct. Well, guys, listen. Speaking of which, I want to get into a few things. First of all, guys, we apologize for our snafus last week and that you didn't get the podcast on time. That's why we decided to release this one a little bit early because also we want you to focus on the inauguration and if you're going to make a nice meal for yourselves or wear a special suit or a t-shirt, I don't know what you're doing, how you're honoring this historic day uh, and our first female vice president, Kamala Harris, first woman (laughs) of color and first woman. First woman to ever go to an HBCU. I mean, she just got two, she got a list of firsts today. Just a she list. just did it. Yeah. Um, you know, cricket takes such offense when I keep oh, saying it's the yeah. first woman. She's like, they all had wives and a lot of them have had daughters. And I was like, well, <laughs> that is honestly, it's fair. It's fair. Um, but anyway, so let's like there's been a lot a lot of like really fucking wild celebrities who are doing their best at just being wild they're wild in these streets (laughs) wild in these streets man wait okay before we get into wild ones can i just say you want to know who i you know i would never cap for a man but do you know who i have been thoroughly enjoying these last few days who who? Second gentleman, Douglas Imhoff. Oh, you <laughs> love him I mean, so I love Doug much. Too. I you love, love him. I, I love Doug because he just Doug seems, is doing his best. This Doug week. is a, he just seems like a nice man who loves his kids and fully supports his wife. And you yeah. know what? I'm into it. And like, I've been on the internet, obviously all the time being kind of miserable, but uh, two things that uh, my Jewish friends have been posting that's been really funny to me is people being like, fucking off. I can't be a senator before I'm 33. And then, he, then another guy was like, well, speaking of that, Doug married a vice president <laughs> to bring home. And I've just been really enjoying Jewish <laughs> men twitter in the last couple of days <laughs> i know it's good there it's a high bar now for who high you can bar. marry 
yeah, it's and like, what you can accomplish in, in a I mean. of time. And it's very fun to me just being like, also another guy, a friend of mine who's married to a black woman. And they were like, shout out to all my Jewish bros who are married to like hot, powerful black women. And there's just like a bunch of Jewish men, skinny little fucking dudes from Wicker Park being like, this is my beautiful black what? <laughs> you know it's my type. You know I love it. So, so it's like if you if you're having a hard time, please go to I don't know how you find it. Douglas Imhoff Stan Ossoff Stan uh, Young Jewish Man Twitter. I, I think it's harder to find than Black Twitter, but it's very enjoyable. <laughs> well, I'm a fan, and I think that um, Doug is definitely doing his very best this yeah. week and i'm so excited for a uh, a second gentleman it's so cute it's, it's so, so cute. cute i want to see what he will do and accomplish I know. um and dr biden is just always my fave i love oh, dr yeah. biden so yeah. i hope that i know she, i know that dr biden is going to do some incredible things as Ooh, first Lord, lady as opposed to be best. Oh, Never mind. Yeah. I'm not even giving you a Doesn't fucking even tour. Oh, you mean old oh, girl even who would not give her a tour? But the, the thing that's been so great. The level too, of petty. Like she doesn't need a tour she's been in the white house also like at this point i'm kind of glad they're not going through all these like nice no, formalities circumstances because yeah. like you can't be like an asshole for four years and then be nice in the last two days yes. well which brings us to that text message i sent today i sent it to you guys so you can yes. read it yeah great chat listen i i'm gonna take it to the podcast too because okay. i feel like do it this is why not right because along those same lines of like let's come together and unity and all that bullshit, yeah it's like there are certain things that are just quite frankly unforgivable if people aren't willing to like acknowledge and pay the price for their actions. whatever their actions <laughs> exactly Thanks. yeah you know what she and here thank you so anyway um a person that like we have known for years went to DC to the rally. This is a person that's like the insurrection like, rally. The oh yeah, the the one that <laughs> the the bad. I just bad, feel like I just feel like rally is such a polite word for it. It was whatever it is. The a fucking attempted dumbass like not the real, coup. The coup. <laughs> um, anyway, so this is a person who like. I don't know, we don't see all that much, like, but like some people that we're very close with are friends with too. And like, so we would be at like parties and whatever. And um, anyway, I was just like, fuck it. I'm gonna send a text message because I need to say some something. And so I said, should I read it? Should I read what I wrote? Sure, go for it. I said, hey, it's busy. So I heard through our mutual friends that you were at the rally in DC last week that ended in the insurrection and attempted dumbass coup. Um, <laughs> I have no idea, nor do I care what motivated your reason for being there. But when you're at a protest standing shoulder to shoulder with Nazis, you're standing there against my family. Just to give you some context, Mark and our kids are Jewish. I testified before Congress about abortion. Our child is gay. What you did by showing up there is you showed us that you don't give a fuck about my life or Mark's or our children. And as someone whom we have considered a friend, I have to say, this is truly really weird and upsetting. You've been to our home in Los Angeles. We've shared meals and tequila shots and you've been to my kid's birthday almost every year. Do you think we should be dead? 
do we deserve to die for our beliefs and for fighting for equality? Do you believe that black men and women and children in our country deserve to be treated like second class citizens? Because the people you were with in DC do believe those things. In fact, one of the reasons we left LA is because of threats. Um, regardless, there's no chance in fucking hell I ever want to see you or speak to you again. Please tell your wife I said hi, and I'm deeply sorry that her husband is upholding white supremacy. What a fucking bummer for her. And I mean, by the way, so is she. Yeah. She, <laughs> um, anyway, haven't heard back. Probably won't. I haven't, haven't <laughs> texted me back. Probably But won't. I just felt like I was like, I had that, I had that moment. I hate, I don't like doing stuff like that. I really don't. No. Yeah. And that's no. what they thrive on is the nicety right we have been that's right he doesn't have to because it's like you know it and we say nothing and then you go to their city and those people act like everything's fine right you walk around with your stomach in knots all the time being like oh this guy's probably a nazi but he wants to get nachos like you have to do right right comfortable thing it's so wild that in our society the uncomfortable thing is to call out the yes. badness. Yes. That's, like that's impolite that's to say you are hanging out with Nazis. I really do feel like personally for me, there have to be consequences. I do too. That. I have had family members who have said like, you know, that's the beauty of America that you can believe this and I can believe that. And I'm like, the difference is my beliefs don't harm anyone. They don't yeah. actively harm anyone. They help people like that's what I live for and your beliefs are asking to treat people as less people than you less than human and so the consequence is even though I love you and you're my favorite relative we aren't in a family relationship anymore and so this is it and that sucks. And it sucks to have to explain that to the rest of your family. But I just think like there's, there's entirely too much like, oh, you know, but it's family and you love each other. And I'm like, if there's no consequences for it, well, people are just going to keep doing it. There's also, well, I was gonna say, there's also this thing where people will be like, well, your family, just be, be, be nice. And it's like, why don't you be nice to the good person? Why does the, why does the little queer, nice person being like, please, Uncle Joe, don't say the N-word. Why does that person get uninvited to Christmas? Yeah, how about uninvited right. Uncle Joe? <laughs> yeah, so right. like, that's the thing that's been like so wild. It's like so many people being like, my whole family abandoned me because I did this. And it's like, no, your whole family is complicit. <laughs> right, right. I just think that that, like that word is, the word for 2021 and I complicit. Yeah. And I want people to recognize where they've been complicit. I recognize where I've been complicit. Maybe I like, to be honest with you, I had heard that that person was like, had voted for Trump last time. Did I say anything to them when I saw them? Like, because that's no, rude, right? I didn't, I didn't break, it's but rude. you know what? Yeah. Fuck that. Yes. Like, and I just feel like that is like part of my white privilege that I am like facing, which is like giving other people a benefit of the doubt when like, Shantira, you don't get a fucking benefit. Oh no, I'm going to cry. You don't get a benefit of the doubt. From it's dangerous. <laughs> fucking white supremacists. My kid doesn't get a benefit of the doubt. Yeah. 
the Silversteins don't get a fucking benefit of the doubt. And so I'm, why am I giving these random ass assholes like a polite pass? I should make them feel as fucking uncomfortable as like they make everyone feel around them by their, by their actions and beliefs and their, and the way that they, whatever, vote and live their lives. Well, it's also really creepy because I'm sure this person knew that Mark and your children are Jewish. I'm sure this person couldn't avoid knowing about the fact that you testified um, in support of abortion rights. And it's very strange to realize that, you know, you're standing next to this person who yeah, thinks these I think things. People really, I, all, I always go back to Thomas Jefferson. I think that Thomas Jefferson is the perfect example of like how people like compartmentalize. Like he raped Sally Hemings a bajillion times. They had a bunch of black babies and then his children were his slaves. And like, I think that people always are like, well, I voted for Trump, but like, I love black people. They compartmentalize, they separate it because to be racist in America is to wear like a Klan costume as right. opposed to like, being anti-black is not the same as racist to so many people and it's like oh no 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 like I'll never forget when I was a freshman in high school I like hung out with the I was a first chair uh, flute player and I was hanging out with the <laughs> clarinet uh and like during jazz band sometimes we would go get lunch together and one day she was driving and we were just like talking about like crushes that we had and she was like well that guy's really handsome talking about this black kid. And she was like, but my dad would kill me if I ever brought home a black guy. And it was like oh so casual. I was yeah. in her car. She was driving me. We practiced all the time. Would she say she's racist? Absolutely not. Even back then, I was like, oh, and then you get older. And you're like, oh, that's so anti-black. Her dad instilled that in her. But would her dad, would anybody ever say her dad was a racist? Her dad sat next to my dad in, in concert time and watched us play in the band together. So I think people have to really open their minds to what is something that should be called out. Like that seems casual, that's casual racism or just being like, oh, that's my preference. But you're like, oh, like that's racist. And I think that you thinking that the only way you could be racist or anti-Semitic is if somebody fucking is a Nazi or if somebody has on a clan. No, man, it's like your cousin. Your cousin right. is racist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, and it's, yeah, it's all the way that, what ways that people, sh it's like these rallies, <laughs> these rallies, whatever the fuck they are. I mean, like Trump made them popular, right? Yeah, like doing right. these like, these hateful, rally things so right. like you can see who they are now they're gonna kind of like squirm back into the woodwork right and the secret to like keep pushing forward is that we have to like hold those people accountable, accountable. yeah right and call them out and like and have them f fucking face it face it, face it! <laughs> own it yeah, own it. Like, own what you are. It's like my favorite thing. It's not my favorite thing. It's, I hate it, actually. But like, <laughs> being, a, being a white person and being in comedy, I can't tell you the millions of times someone has made either a misogynist or racist or homophobic joke in front of me. And it's so, so, so common. And you're like, 
why would you think that like I'm the person to say this in front of? So the way that I always respond is I just always say, I don't get it. I don't get it. Tell me what the joke is. Like explain to me. And then you can say, I don't get it like four times before they have to be like, it's funny because it's racist. <laughs> oh my God. And then, you know, like if you say, I don't just keep repeating, I don't get it. And eventually explain, the person will have it. to admit, yes, explain to me why this is funny. And then it in like seven moves or less, the person's going to admit that they're horrible. Well, that's so much work too. Cause like I, you guys, you know, I did improv and uh, it's a lot of white guys who say some fucked up stuff in there. And I think one of the things that ends up happening, it's like, there are like a, another like white man should say something, you know what I mean? Like what ends up happening right. is like the, the, the nice blonde lady has to go up to this white dude and be like, hey man, don't be a homophobe. Or like the only black girl in a class of 25 white improvisers has to be like, well, I guess I'll run across the stage during this really homophobic thing. So like, it's right. like, there's been so much, um, cause it, it's not that we don't, we're the only people who see what's wrong, but it's like, we're the ones with skin in the game. Mm. You know right. what I mean? And it's like, everyone has to act like you got skin in the game. It can't just yes. be us. Everybody has to act like we have skin in the game. Christian Tira, have you ever had this happen where someone like says something racist, misogynist, or homophobic, like on social media, and it like causes enough of a stir that you know that people notice. And then, because I've had that happen, and then I'll have people <laughs> will DM me, like nice people, nice <laughs> friends, or like people that I know will DM me and be like, I'm really sorry that that guy said that or whatever I'm like don't fucking say sorry to me go tell that guy he shouldn't have said that well yeah. that's this is where this is where it's like listen I know most of you out there are women majority white listening to us probably some of my beloved gay men sprinkled in <laughs> we don't, some other people you may identify the in postal all different carriers ways. We don't know. of Duluth Minnesota the postal carriers of Duluth Minnesota shout out um but this is where the liberal white dudes can go fuck themselves yeah. because I have stood on so many, I have been in the eye of being objectified or being whatever on sets and those cool white dudes like laugh nervously and walk away, you know, yeah. like the guys who like would consider themselves by all accounts are really good guys but they won't do the fucking next step, which is to say, and even now as I'm thinking about it and I probably will say something, although he'll listen to the podcast and then he'll hear it. Like, guess what? Mark should have sent a fucking text. To it shouldn't just be me sending the fucking text. And some of our other friends should send him, oh wait, you'll have to bleep his name out. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Mark, like Mark should, should send a text to that guy that I sent the text to today, you know, and some of our other friends should also, my friend that I was texting with who first had told me about the, that they had found out that this person had gone to the rally, that person's husband should text as well. That white right. guy should it's text. It's very easy to be complicit because obviously there, we, 
not necessarily nonviolent, but non-confrontational. It's how oppressors want us to be when they are so confrontational, right? But in order for us to get anything done, we just like have to be nice. But like that is so fucked up that people are message messaging you and being like, oh man, I'm sorry that happened. And it's like, if you don't say anything, if you're not gonna say anything to help stop it from happening again, do not message the people that have been afflicted at all. Leave yeah. them be. <laughs> Can you imagine if you saw somebody get hit by a car and like get knocked down in the street and then you just DM'd them later and was like, uh, sorry, I saw you get hit by a car. But then I just, that, I just that left sucked. you in the street. <laughs> yeah, hope you're doing okay. <laughs> Any type of confrontation is uncomfortable, but when you break it down to even like a small confrontation, like say you're working with someone and something they did wasn't the way something should be done. Like, is it is it more comfortable to talk to someone else that you work with and be like, that's really fucked up the way that they did that. Blah, blah, blah. But it's not productive or helpful. You have to go to that person and like work it out. But that confrontation is uncomfortable and we all avoid that type of confrontation to the nth degree. And then we get these like messages of like politeness and unity, but politeness and unity aren't really productive. And here's the thing too, like I have talked in the past about radical honesty and about how I've been like trying to live my life, my personal life, my like public life as much as I can with like being as honest as I can with the people around me, but also like with myself. And when you are able to do that, like really fucking start to look at it and take away like the shame and the other shit that like has been perpetrated on you and just sit with like, what the reality is. Have I done enough for Black Lives Matter? Certainly not. I certainly have not. That is like 100% not in question as far as I'm concerned. I can do better. Like, how do I need to address those things and like move forward? How do I do active anti-racism work? I don't even think Cricket like knows anything. I haven't talked to that kid about anything. <laughs> Birdie, I wasted all my energy on Birdie. That's what always anyway, happens to the oldest though. They get it I'm just saying that like- They run free, wild and free. <laughs> I will say I am glad, I am I am happy that thanks to Mina Harris and her wonderful, wonderful children's books, yeah. uh, the one about her aunt Kamala and her mom, Kamala and Maya's big adventure. And then now she has a new one out called Phenomenal, um, Cricket does know who Kamala Harris is, yeah. thank God. But you know, Cricket was the one that like, thought Donald Trump was a cartoon character. <laughs> he is. What a blessing. What a blessing. She was correct. <laughs> I mean, she kind of was. Like she couldn't, like she really could not wrap her head around the fact that he was real. And she was like, no mama, no. He likes SpongeBob mama. I'm like, no, he's not. This was years ago, obviously. <laughs> Not <laughs> cricket now is like very grown up, you guys. She, very big. Yeah, she she's it. a sparkling conversationalist. She really does love to chat. <laughs> um, wait, guys, I have breaking celebrity news what? that just popped up on my what? phone, and I got texted from several different people. I just have to say that our celebrity bingo cards must all be just wildly off Here's the thing, this, this year we always said this as a writer if you wrote any of this shit into the the biggest fucking cw teen drama of all time the network would have notes they would be like <laughs> or, no no yeah, no no pick I, one pick one <laughs>
you might be feeling like you're in a style rut. It's hard. We've all been stuck at home. A lot of people are just like, I've been wearing sweats for a year. A year. I made it a point to keep getting dressed and putting together outfits. It's true. But here's what's lucky for you. Stitch Fix will help you feel excited about what you're wearing. And sometimes it makes a real difference in your mood. I'm just going to say it. Stitch Fix offers clothing that's hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique style, budget, size. It's a completely different and fun way to find clothes that you're going to love to wear. Every piece is chosen for your fit and your life, and it's the easiest solution to finding what makes you look and feel your best. You can try on pieces at home before you buy. That's the secret. That's it. That's the secret. You've got to get – That's this is the thing that, like, changes the game. When you get that box – and you open it up and you're like, okay, I'm definitely not. This isn't going to look cute. And then you put it on. You're like, oh, my God, wait, this does look cute. I'm going to keep this. And then the one thing that you're like, I really know this is the thing I want. And then you put it on. You're like, wait, this is a little weird. This other thing's better. I'm going to keep this. Then you keep what you love. You return what you don't. There's no subscription required. You try Stitch Fix once or you set up automatic deliveries to refresh your wardrobe. You'll pay just a $20 styling fee for each box, which gets credited toward the pieces you keep. So it's basically free. Very cool. Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion for women, men, and kids. Uh, They'll ship all over the U.S. and they're available in the U.K. as well to our U.K. listeners. Stitch Fix is here for you. So get started today at stitchfix.com slash best and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash best for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. I love it. I think that Stitch Fix is doing their best. So don't you forget stitchfix.com slash best. Kin Euphoric sent us a variety pack. Now, I'm not one that like has to do a dry January or whatever. Also, it's just been too stressful. But I will say I had a like long work week last week and I was like, I don't want to drink. Right. It's easier to wake up in the morning, whatever. And so I cracked open those Kin Euphoric variety pack and I tried a bunch and I love them. Uh, it's a non-alcoholic drink for grownups who care about the little things like brain function Hormone harmony, great sex. Hey, hey, why not? And de-stressing after an insane day. So these drinks are stacked with the good stuff and none of the bad. So they've got like herbs and mushrooms that can help curb stress in the moment and over time. And nootropics that support cognitive functions like clarity, memory, and creativity. And it is a female-founded brand. You know we love it. We love it. You know we love to see it. Ken was founded by Jen Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> she was on a mission to reimagine the social ritual of drinking without wagering on people's health and well-being. It's designed, uh, Ken Euphoric's designed three mood-defining drinks for every occasion. It's like the Spotify of beverages. <laughs> <laughs> There's High Road, which hosts a herbaceous flavor and a feeling of lifted mind and relaxed body great for social hour i like that one i added a little sparkling water to it kin spritz i'm very into i think that's my favorite it's a sparkling aperol like brain boost without the crash or hangover i had 
several of those. <laughs> and then Dream Light, it's a booze-free nightcap that tastes like an Amaro and melts away your stress. Yeah, that's my fave. I love them. I really do enjoy them. And I think that they're fun to drink. And I like putting them on ice and you can add more sparkling water. I don't know. I think they taste good and I'm into it. So we've worked out a special deal for the busy doing her best podcast listeners. You can receive 15% off plus free shipping on your order. Go to kineuphorics.com slash busy or use code busy at checkout to claim the deal. That's K-I-N-E-U-P-H-O-R-I-C-S dot com slash busy guys uh gwyneth paltrow's vagina candle reportedly explodes in a uk woman's home (laughs) her it smells like my vagina candle that she pedals on goop exploded into flames in the living room of a uk woman who won the product in a quiz. The candle exploded and emitted huge flames with bits flying everywhere. Jody Thompson, 50, told How does the the candle explode? I also read that uh, the the male enhancement, whatever that she sells on her um, website is the same Mm -hmm. that Alex Jones sells on his website. Hers is called like dick dust or something. His is called like magic penis power i made those things up. <laughs> also look it up and make sure that's accurate but i just saw that i was like everybody pushing some bullshit <laughs> oh i mean i just i don't know i i think probably what happened if i i'm to guess the candle was cold somehow like yeah really yeah. cold like sh- sh- the woman had kept it like in a basement or something yeah and it was freezing yeah and then she the lit mailbox. it yeah or it had just come in from the mailbox and she was like i want to smell what this vag smells like <laughs> and then she lit it up and then it exploded because i remember when i would work at cpk you really had to be careful when those glasses came right out of the dishwasher you could not put the arnold palmers immediately into yeah. them or you would have some exploding glasses on your hands. for sure that was a lesson that I saw repeated many times at California Pizza Kitchen <laughs> in Scottsdale, Arizona. Anyway, yeah, there's Gwyneth Paltrow's vaginal candle exploding in a lady's house. There's the army hammer stuff, which I got real fucking upset about the other night, by the it's way. It's dark. It's like, I mean, everybody is having a good time with it online, but it's it's pretty dark. Are people having a good time? Well, I mean, I you think- know, it's like been an ongoing meme for, I feel like it's been like days, but... Uh, it's just, here's, sorry, now, I have thoughts. I was just going to say that, like, I just watched the Tiger Woods documentary. Very good. Oh, is it? I heard it was kind of bullshit because I heard that it's like, it, I think it's like very, his cronies. I think it's very good because he's like a really fucked up person. And it, yeah. like, I didn't, I knew that he like fucked up, but I didn't know how long he'd been fucked up. So like, it was just like very interesting in that aspect. But I think that what's happening is that like, we kind of been like, Army's weird. Army's weird. Army's weird. Weird. And then, like, as we slowly, progressively, like, start peeling back the layers, you're like, "Oh, this is abuse." And that what that's what I right. saw in the Tiger documentary. I think we mm. all start with making fun of these people because it's funny, and right. then like the hope is that you move on. But if you sit on any of this shit long enough, it always comes down to like 
some type of abuse trauma and that is where yes same thing in that tiger documentary like i watched it and like they were talking about his dad and he was like yeah my dad used to aggravate me all the time but like now i'm old enough and it helped me and then one of the things was like earl gave him a safe word that if he was aggravating him too much while he was like doing psychological warfare on this 12 year old child that if he Mm. said the safe word he would let him just play golf and then tiger said but i never said it because he told me if i said the safe word i'd be giving up and i was like you gave him a safe word and then took it away and then wouldn't let him use it immediately and immediately took it away and and i was like that's abuse and i think that's what's happening with army is we were like he's a weird little kink boy and then you're like he's a weird little kink boy Oh no, this is abuse. <laughs> well, this is what got me that I that part of it, the part where he's married and we know his wife, she was on busy tonight, and I have been friendly with her over the years, and they have little kids. Like that part of it makes me so deeply sad. Yeah. Um, but then when I was like really thinking and thinking about today's guest, Glennon Doyle and her amazing book, Untamed. And I was thinking about her chapter about how we we don't raise boys right in the United States yeah. at all. Um, Cause I, I went through several stages with the art, you know, I like loved Yeah, him. everybody I did, everybody. And- I didn't uh, love him, I don't care about <laughs> him at all. You're <laughs> still strictly Angela Bassett. Strictly Angela Honestly, Bassett. Honestly, Shantara, but you know, but you know me, I'm never surprised. Oh yeah, absolutely. You right. know, like I, always, I, always I liked him. Always disappointed, but never surprised. That is the rule. Yeah, I'm just, I'm like, uh, <laughs> um, and last week when it was sort of breaking, like, I was like, that can't be right. Like, I'm sure he was just like, like he had, but now I've, you know, done enough deep dives sitting on set waiting for them to call action that I've <laughs> feel like I have a lot of really dark things in my brain, but that, but that piece of like, cause at first I was like, fuck that white guy, that rich white guy, like, oh, the only way you can get off is like the most depraved thing. Fuck you. Like I was like so over it. And then I found my way to compassion. And in my compassion, I was like, oh, we really are doing a number on men in this country. Like in terms of like sex and violence and like the equivocating those two things and making it like all balled into one fucking mm-hmm. horrible violent thing that equals like yeah that's abuse against women it's abuse against other men like whatever happened in that guy's life we can't begin to know only he knows the truth but there's trauma there oh yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, i mean sure. and, and like it always goes back to trauma and then i and i just was like i feel like a heaviness and a sadness for boys and men in this country who are just given these messages that they can only be one way. Because I do think that like we have all sort of shifted the way that we are raising um, people who identify as girls (laughs) or who are girls. or biologically or girls or whatever. Like, I think we're shifting the way that we think about that. Like, oh yeah. but I do think that these things still exist for boys that are like really difficult to overcome. And then I'm like, what are we doing? We're just raising a bunch of fucking psychos. We're raising girls 
to to be ready to defend themselves from men right as opposed yes. to raising men not to be attacking women and i think that's the thing we're like i know how to raise a feminist you're not going to take any shit from any man you're never going to get abused you're never going to let a man talk to you that way and then i'm going to mm. send my strong little girl out into the world and then you're like well what are you teaching your boy don't hit women sometimes right like, that's right. what we're doing that's it and i hate i hate the default like casey i've seen it in practice with you because we know your kids, we know your sons, whatever, but I hate the default. I know so many, obviously know so many fucking parents now, so many women who I've had my kid, both my kids in school with their kids, or I've seen their sons and they're like, definitely it's the same fucking thing. It's the like, well, my son knows that it's all about respect and I've just taught him it's all about respect. And it's like, no, no, we gotta do better than that. You need to teach your son that like his emotions are important that he needs to be able to talk about the things that he feels that like he needs to not resort to violence when he's upset like there's all these other things that aren't just like respect women respect women respect women and i feel like that chunk is getting totally missed because you see it even it's like it's like even in schools all that bias is just there it's there in the mixed gender pe classes like it's everywhere you see it's, the, in, it's it's, it's everywhere into our culture and with my kids like you know i always tried to like be funny about it in some ways where like you know people call each other dude in my house we called each other girl all the time like girl no you know like just to be <laughs> because i was like why do we wait i do love that though. like why do we say dude all the time i call everyone girl you know what i mean like it's that's just what i'm gonna do for like my jokey thing but then also seriously like my kids know that like i've been sexually assaulted in the past and that was like a fairly early conversation because to what we were talking about before people only believe what they can see so I know that's, that's hard right. to talk about and I know that that's a wild thing to be telling your younger child but like this is true about mom and so this is why I say these things this is why it's so important to me not just that you like respect women but also like get your body in between a guy that's threatening a woman and the woman you know what i mean like and right. people say people say all the time like that's crazy you're like endangering your own sons and i'm like i, I mean like there's danger everywhere it's dangerous it's a dangerous world so yeah you know we're all in danger constantly constantly i think if anybody actually thought about how much danger we're in sometimes i do and i just be crying i'd be like damn it's dangerous and like I, um, I always thought about like when I lived in New York, never want to do it again. People don't ever invite me. Uh, but when I lived in New York, I would like be outside. And one time we were like walking by a park and a man in just like running shorts and his phone ran out of the darkness of the park because he was just running in a dark park at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, what the fuck is this life? <laughs> What the fuck? Freedom. <laughs> what is it's this freedom. freedom? I don't want to run anyway, but like, I would love, I mean, like this um, feminist that I follow on the internet posts this question that like made men fucking furious. And they were like, women, 
if you, if there were no men in the world, what would you do for a day? And men fucking went ballistic. They were like, why would you say that? I remember and that. With you. And women were like, I would go outside at night and look at the stars. It wasn't, yeah, even, like, it wasn't even people weren't even like, I'm going to take over a fortune 500 company. They were like, I would ride the subway alone. Oh, yeah. I would not worry about wearing headphones. I would I would get drunk with my friends. I would have three drinks instead of two if I was out. It was like the most fucking regular, regular shit of all time. And men were like, "What would you What would you say if we said What What would you do if there was no women?" And then some dude was like, "You do everything you already do. <laughs> Everything's the same. Same, <laughs> same thing. Speaking of everything, have the you same. guys seen Promising Young Woman yet?" No, I want to watch it, it, but I watch I know it tonight. What it's about. Oh my God. I watched it last night with my husband and his poor arm. I was squeezing. I was so tense. I was squeezing his arm, but wait, maybe I shouldn't watch it. It is everything that we're talking about. I mean, you know, if you saw the trailer, you, you know, the premise, um, but it's, it's really, really, really well done. I highly recommend. I was in a, I was in an indie movie when I was 19 years old. That was not really well done (laughs) that had thematically was along the same lines. It was about a bunch of high school girls led by my character who were sick of men, like always having the power and fucking with them. So they get this gun, they like somehow got a gun. I can't remember what, and then decide to like hold these boys at gunpoint and rape them. Like they decide to rape boys. It was like, you guys, the late nineties were wild in terms of indie movies. True. The in the movies I auditioned for that that were like the big gets that like people were like dying to be a part of. That one was huge. It was called The Smokers and it was like Dominique Swain and me and this girl Carrie Lynn Pratt and Oliver Hudson. That's how I met Oliver um for the first time. And uh and like I only got the part cuz like Natasha Lyonne fell out or some shit. Anyway, And then there was like this movie that was about long before like Jennifer's body, which I never saw, but it was about girls who had eating disorders that, and then it turns out they are just like flesh eating zombies or something. I can't remember. That one also was like, everybody was vying for that. And then there was like- (laughs) It really was. Cheerleaders who, there were the cheerleaders who robbed the bank because their friend needs an abortion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, is that Jawbreaker? That one? No. No, and then Jawbreaker was so fucked. I love Jawbreaker. That is like a truly Yeah, Jawbreaker's crazy. Shout out to uh, Judy Greer. Yeah, but also (laughs) the 1990s were wild. Like just wild. That's when like, I don't know, like the wheels really started to come off in terms of like, well, speaking of cheerleaders, like cheerleader moms are like trying to whack another cheerleader. Oh, what? Just yeah. I mean, right? maybe it's like that. Maybe every era has its own cheerleader mom type but, scandal, but the 90s were wild. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny because I do think that those things aren't existing as much only because the internet does yeah. exist now. And so not only are like people tracked all the yeah. time, well, you kind of like, there's yeah. different stuff, right? Like internet bullying and all that fucking insanity and horribleness. But like, I don't know. I don't think it's the same thing where like people are like hiring hitmen yeah, it's to you can't really bash a cheerleader. Like, yeah everything there's nothing you delete i think the beauty of what's been happening to the insurrectionists is that they've been like i deleted that tweet and it's like oh baby 
<laughs> honey, you, you can't, can't I know, it. baby. You it's can't okay, keep baby. anything secret now. You can't even be like a secret sex cannibal anymore. People are going to find <laughs> out. Yeah. You guys, I have to say, like, truly, though, that to me is was shocking about the Army Hammer stuff, which was like, bro, like, you must, you must really be on drugs. Like, if you just think this, like, random private Instagram account isn't being, yeah. like, screenshot and available to anyone who like that's the thing that i was like why what these are on dm yeah, why was he dming things like i've had conversations with people like celebrity people via dm before where i will one of us at some point i'll be like hey here's my phone yes. number like and then here's my this Let's switch private yeah. thing to encrypted text right. because I just assume that everyone can see everything. Oh, yes. Or if they wanted to, they could. I don't understand how he was like, just like literally DMing, like I'm going to break your rib and barbecue. I just think that like, I, I feel like maybe people want to be caught. I don't know. Because. Oh yeah. Ooh, my therapist and I talked nobody... about that today. About me. Oh really? <laughs> they... Yeah. Cause you know, I'm such a bad liar and I always get caught like immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um and do you, and she was like could we do you want to talk about that like what do you think that is and I told the story I think it's in my book is it that when I tried to sell pot out my window when I was in high school and I like had to turn the alarm off to turn the beeps off so I could open the window and then my mom obviously like heard me turn the alarm off and came into my room and was like what are you doing and I was holding this little bag of weed like and I because my friend Caroline was going to come to the window and I was going to pass it off, you know? And then I was holding this bag of weed and sitting on my bed and I could have just like kept it down by my side. And instead I threw it across the room. <laughs> like in my fucking pea brain, I was like, just get it as far away from me as possible. And I threw it across the room. Similarly. Yeah. I was like, I mean, yeah, I was talking about like when Mark caught me in this like huge lie several years ago and it was just like the dumbest fucking shit. Like, I just wanted to get caught. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wrote that I was pregnant in my diary that didn't have a lock. When I was you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like I was waiting for somebody and that was like the last entry and it was like almost half the page. Just I am pregnant. Like, yeah, you know, I was hoping, yeah. but that's, ooh, ooh, there it is guys rearing her ugly head again, not wanting to do the, the thing, not wanting to be the one that has to have the confrontation. Right. You're hoping. Then you put it on yes. someone else. Yeah, you're hoping that someone will mm. discover Absolutely. that about you and and talk, have the hard conversation with you. Woo, that's a, well, good job to, Guys, good that's job a to your therapist that's a this week. She really earned her copay. She always earns it except for the weeks when I've been stuck shooting and then I still have to Venmo her money. Yeah. And it feels, it feels not great, but oh. I understand. She, she gave up her time. Oh you know. man. Um, um, we have a super special interview today with Glennon Doyle, who everybody was so excited to talk to. And mm -hmm. we really were very greedy and we talked to her for a very long time. So we should just quickly say what we're doing our best at this week and then we can get to the great interview where we spend a long time with Glennon. Okay, Casey, go. 
Oh, okay. Um, I'm doing my best at, we're trying to redo our bathroom, but like on a budget, like on a shoestring budget. And so instead of like retiling, we're trying to repurpose everything that's already there. Uh And my husband is painting the tile with epoxy tile paint and it has the wildest fumes I've ever smelled in my life. I'm so, (laughs) I think that he's going to come out of that bathroom with a different personality like that is like he might be a different person from what those fumes are doing to him and so i am probably so high on tile paint right now that i can't even i don't even know what i'm saying well so I you're doing your best at being high on tile paint i mean i'm just trying to get through this podcast while i'm like i'm doing my best at doing this podcast when i'm clearly like very high on tile paint fumes why don't you guys open a window we the windows are open it's really like i yeah, I it's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm plus I about this. I feel like my dogs are high. So send me pics. I want to know what's going on. Okay, I will. I will. Also, what are you I doing love, your best at? Well, I first of all, also I love epoxy videos. I watch videos <laughs> of epoxy being laid on the internet. So if you ever need something soothing, I do not like ASMR. But I do like taking a bare, um, like a bare floor and turning it into like something beautiful and marbly. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm doing my best at trying to cook all of the stuff in my freezer. Um, it seems pretty mundane, but we went in there and it's just like we keep buying new meat uh, because we don't <laughs> want to thaw out the meat that's in the freezer. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to cook the meat that I have. So that is what I've been desperately trying to do. We have been cooking, but like I went in there and there was just like one lobster tail in there. And I was like, (laughs) the fuck? So that's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to see if there's any more singlet lobster tails in the freezer (laughs) and I'm cooking them. (laughs) I mean, I really love that. That's amazing. Um, I'm doing my best at, oh, I'm getting a pap smear tomorrow. I did it. I made the appointment. It's and always hard because you never want to I go. Got, no, and I got my flu shot yesterday and, or not yesterday, a couple days ago. Well, that was stupid. So I did do the flu shot, but I forgot that I had scheduled like a lymphatic drainage massage the uh-huh. next day, which is like the whole point of it is to like release the toxins <laughs> in your body, right? And so I had this like really intense lymphatic drainage massage. And then yesterday morning woke up and was like, had like some real intense like I'm like taking care of my I'm doing my best at like taking care of your body things that I put off for like my mental health my emotional well-being and like and also just like my physical health and uh and so I took care of some like stuff yesterday emotionally in the morning and then I like worked out really hard and then I ended up walking to get Gina which was like over two miles and then I had an Aperol spritz and I think it was too much. <laughs> and I woke up and I woke up at four in the morning with the flu-like symptoms of body aches and pains and like my joints hurt really bad. So I don't know what all that means, but I'm trying, trying so hard. I'm trying, I'm just trying. I'm yeah. committed. I am committed. That's good. You're committed to doing, you're doing body stuff this year and I'm on board because the worst part about, I don't even know if it's going to the doctor, but just sitting down and being like, I'm going to call a doctor's office now and make an appointment. I don't know, man. Like if 
I get it when people like have their mama do it. I remember when I was like 20 and my mom was like, you have to call the doctor. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> it sucks to be like, all right, I'm going to call this person I don't know and tell them I need someone to look at my vagina. It is yeah, like, it's yeah. like not the best. <laughs> and I need to get, here are the other things on my list. I need to get my thyroid ultrasounded because I haven't done that and I can feel, I can actually feel it. It's really big. All right. I'm worried. Should I go to the person you went to, Casey, or was that so long ago now? Oh my God. He's like a hundred years old. He's, okay. he's retired in Colorado. So I need to go get my thyroid checked out again. I need to get a mammogram and like the, I want to get the other thing too, because I have very fibrous boobs. So they, th they say that the ultrasound is the new boob ultrasound is really good for people with fibrous boobs. So to do that and the mammogram and I got like a crazy cystic zit on my forehead over the weekend as well. Maybe that's from the vaccine. I don't think it's from the vaccine. <gasps> I don't think so. I think that yes. you are getting rid of a bunch of shit in your body and that's how it comes out. <laughs> okay. I think it's just okay. like, and also like you're living in a very, um, you know, you're living in a city with like a lot of pollutants in the air and stuff like that. You could get a zit from, from that. I don't know. It feels very clean there. That's good. I have to say. I think that anyway, you're, a nice, you're nice. You're nice in New York. I'm always like, it's filthy here. <laughs> I will say, you know who's filthy is Gina. Oh, yeah. Gina gets real oily and gross. Yeah. She do be eating dead birds. So, you know. People, I know. She's expect. really. <laughs> but anyway, so I am doing my best at all that stuff. I loved chatting with our guest Glennon Doyle. We were all really excited about it. If you're one of the four people in this country who haven't bought and read Untamed, Glennon's best-selling book, you should probably pick it up. Um, so good. You know, it's a veil. And uh, it's been on the bestseller list for, I think now, 45 weeks. It's worth it. And she had a lot of interesting things to say. We really enjoyed it. So please listen. I've been shopping more online, obviously, in the past almost a year now because pandemic vibes. And when I was starting to do my Christmas shopping, I was looking online for some gifts and Cricket said, are you using honey? And I said, what? And she said, are you using honey? Because thanks to honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. And I said, I'm sorry, what did you just say to me? <laughs> and she said, it scours the internet for promo codes and then applies the best one it finds in your cart. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> word for word verbatim, Cricket did the honey ad for me. And I was like, I've never heard of honey. Should I be using it? And Cricket was like, yeah, honey supports over 30,000 stores online. <laughs> it was like the number one commercial, I guess, on the YouTube thing that show that she loves. There like you they go. kept popping up this honey ad. Isn't that crazy? That's so funny, but thank goodness. Cricket I know. Clued you into honey. She did. So I've been using honey. <laughs> 30,000 stores. They range from Kroger, Madewell, Ulta, so much more. I used it at Madewell. I also used it during my Christmas shopping, thanks to Cricket. Really paying attention to those ads during YouTube. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites. That's not hard to imagine because I'm sure you were doing it like maybe you're doing it right now. 
When you check out, the honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. And then it wait you wait a few seconds and honey searches for like the coupons online that it can find. And then if honey finds a working coupon, those prices drop. Those prices drop. You get the deal. You get it's- the deal. You get the deal. It's so exciting. It feels like winning something a little bit. It always does. Because you know what? Sometimes like was it wasn't it? Was it you that I said about the Black Friday sales? I was like, once you go through like a Black Friday sale, aren't you like, why is anything ever full price? <laughs> yes, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what? There's like, always why is this. There's almost always a discount that could be given to you. Yeah. And like, it's hard to find them online, but that's why Honey is so incredible and why I love it. And shout out to my daughter, Cricket. If you don't already have Honey, you could straight up be missing on free savings. It's literally free. It installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the podcast, um, which is really nice. We need the credit. So get <laughs> Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash busy. That's joinhoney.com slash busy. Let's start with our sleeping. We have to go to sleep at night. And when you go to sleep, you lie down on a mat. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Guys, I'm really trying (laughs) my best. I want to bring back the jingle, but the problem is I'm not good at it. And then I just default to singing other songs that are real songs. And then that's a copyright. It's a legal issue. Do you ever try to write the jingles ahead of time? Or is it spontaneous? I don't. This is a spontaneous spontaneous jingle writing. (laughs) But I... Here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. I'm about to order another Helix mattress. Oh, wow. For real. Yeah, I am. And here's why. Because we love them. We love them and we need one for the guest, our guest room. And we decided we needed a whatever. It doesn't matter. The specifics don't matter, guys. But what I'm telling you is that we love the Helix mattresses so much that I'm going to purchase another one. Um, I took that two minute quiz. It matched my body type and sleep preferences. And I got my perfect mattress and we got them for everyone in our house. Everyone is unique. Helix knows that they have several different mattress models to choose from like soft, medium, and firm, even mattresses for cooling you down. If you sleep hot and a Helix plus mattress for plus size folks. Also Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and wired magazine. And Helix is coming for 2021. Casey, what kind of mattress do you have? Soft, medium, hard, firm. Oh, I like a firm mattress. Me too. Yeah. They also offer more than just mattresses. There's pillows, bases, bedding, and more. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try your mattress out for 100 nights risk-free. They will even come and pick it up for you if you don't love it. But don't worry about that, guys. Because you will. Just go to helixsleep.com slash best. Take the two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash best. That's helixsleep.com slash best for up to $200 off and two free pillows. So go get your new mattress today. I'm going to. Thank you. 
I have to tell you, Glennon, because I, I want to tell the people, the people listening, that I've never been in the same room with you. We've never been face to face with each other. However, am I going to already cry? Shoot. Hold on. Hold on. You have sent me some of the nicest, most wonderful uh, email letters, DMs in moments like right when I was like, oh, my God, here it is, this thing that I need need to hear in this exact moment. And I feel very close to you in so many ways. And what's so incredible for all the people who adore you, who read your books, I think, is that you basically do that with your writing in your books and especially Untamed, which congratulations, because this is now week 47, 8, Oh, my nine? gosh. Congratulations. 44? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think in reading it, part of the reason why it continues and just keeps building and building and building is because, to me, this is like 300 pages of exactly what you've gifted to me many times in the last several years, which is like, I got you, we got you, we can do this. And this is something that I think especially we've all been just like waiting for that, waiting to hear, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Shantira, I know how to had an experience, right? You love. Oh, yeah. I love the book. I think it's so great. Me and my partner talk about it because like you are doing... The white woman's work, I tell you. <laughs> Truly, I think that you're such a wonderful writer. Just like as a writer, I really appreciate the way that you use words. Because I'll be like, damn, that was just a good sentence. But <laughs> I listened to it on, on audiobook, but I went back through and I was like, let me make sure uh, I have the things that I really, I really enjoyed in there. And one of them was like imagination, not indoctrination. And I was like, get it, bitch. Uh, (laughs) Yes. But one of the chapters that really hit me was the one when you said a mother has to stop being a daughter in Mm. order to be a mother. That fucked me up. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my. It like really expanded the way that I saw the mothers in my family and how I saw so many, how many black people I know who aren't necessarily mothers, but like are treated as adults as opposed to children. Mm. And I think that so many adult white women are treated as children Mm -hmm. in the world as Mm. opposed to adults. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Glenn is just out here doing it. Go ahead and put that book on the New York Times list. So like that is one of the (laughs) things that really, really struck home with me. And I like really appreciated it. I was like, oh, yeah. I want to ask because I just want to kick it off because 44 weeks, the book came into the world, was birthed into the world. 44 weeks ago was a fairly different looking place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you feel to me like someone who's quite prolific. And when you when you start to write, you just write. Is that true? No, writing is really hard for me. Oh, really? Oh, oh good. That, that makes, makes me, me so, so happy. happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really miserable, actually. Um, you know, I read. I actually keep a quote on my desk that says, "Writers are people for whom writing is harder than it is for everyone else." Like, yes, that Great. is. And, and especially with stuff like Untamed, there are things that I can write easily. Untamed was not one of them. It felt like the kind of thing I was, I've been trying to say since I was a kid and then right. I to get it all into this one book. Uh-huh. So it felt very intense and difficult actually. Yeah, but how, so how long was the process for you to write the book? Well, just the writing of it, maybe two and a half years. Oh, wow. Okay. And then editing was another year or yeah. six months? Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Maybe nine months of editing. Yeah. And 
And then like a lifetime of, of living through all of those things and trying to figure out what all the hell they all meant, you know? <laughs> 44 years. <laughs> it took you 44. But I guess for the book to come out, you know, about a year, a year and a half ago, is that right? March 10th was uh-huh. the day this was, it, it came out. I was on the road kicking off the book tour. That's right. When, right when COVID, COVID happened. Right. Right. That's I right. had to cancel the book tour. Everybody's everybody's life was like starting in March. Like yeah. I, I, everybody was like, I had just started a new job. I was supposed to go to Paris on March 16th. That's, like... That's right. <laughs> I mean, we were our team was sitting in a hotel room. People were crying. I mean, this, my team is really just like my sister and my right. wife, and then like <laughs> my three fr- best friends. So it's everyone had been preparing for this for so long, and people were just like crying in the hotel room because we're like we have to shut it all down like I remember yeah. and I remember your decision making and following the journey of like telling everybody that the book tour was canceled and people were crushed and I felt like in the moment I was a very early um I was on on COVID early like I was like this is going to be a big deal mm-hmm. and I know that you had some people that were like why do this yeah I mean because it was early we canceled pretty early things weren't being canceled yet you were one of the first I mean yeah. you you canceled before Coachella Glennon. I mean, <laughs> let me tell you something I freaking love canceling things so this was like <laughs> every time I make a plan I just immediately start waiting just hoping that someone will cancel the plan so like and then I have friends with it's just like a game of chicken like I'm waiting till they cancel on me and they're waiting till I cancel on them so each of us can take credit for not canceling so right this was a little bit this wasn't like that though. No. This felt really, really sad. And I remember sitting, I was sitting in a hotel room with Abby because there was like half of our team was like, hell no, we're going. This is ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. Nobody's canceling anything. And then I was sitting with Abby and I was like, but I, I can't cancel this. This is this is the most important thing I've ever made. And she was like, because she's like always doing the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> She's the Captain America of the right thing, you know? And she said, well, is, is this the most important thing you've made or is the community that you've made the most important thing you've ever made? Because you could be risking their health by inviting them. So that was the moment that I was like, okay, we have to Very wise. <laughs> That's so wise. We should say for people listening, in case they don't know, Abby's your wife. Yes. Yes. And yes. you might know Abby from being a soccer star. Yes. Stuff. I, I was just literally making a face right now because I was like, who doesn't know this? Who's listening to this just podcast? Just in case, just in case. I was, just, I was trying to imagine what, what the crossover that, I mean, in my head, anyone who would follow me knows who you are, Glennon. <laughs> I don't or, know. I don't I either. Don't well, I, I don't, don't know either. either. I'm just well, saying. In my, my head, that's the way. It I mean, it's my hope. Like knows Abby. I think that that is a thing that's <laughs> true in my life. Like, I mean, if you guys knew the amount of times where, I mean, it's been a little bit better since COVID since we can't go anywhere. But my <laughs> whole life going anywhere was like someone approaching me and me like, you know, trying to like get on my humble face because, you know, <laughs> Here, this person is clearly, you know, recognizing me and then coming up to me and saying, can I get a picture? And me saying, of course. And then they hand me their phone so I can take a picture of Abby and that person. That's my whole life. 
<laughs> we were <laughs> trying to look humble and then realizing, oh, I should just be humble because this is not <laughs> happening. Yeah, I mean that's always great advice, by the way. To just yeah, always just let's just enter every situation, assuming that they want you to take the camera and take a picture of them with someone else. Exactly. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. them. Yes. Because yes. it's never gonna be a cute look when you like try to pose and they're like, just me and my wife. <laughs> okay. What are you, what are you doing? Know. What are you uh, doing? Yeah. Well, obviously the book, that must have been like a pivot that you all had to make in your brain. And so how did you regroup? So much of the book, you talk about the thing that like, I feel very deeply, I know very deeply. It's a thing that has really come into very sharp focus for me in recent years, but that the knowing, you call it the knowing, everybody, people have different ideas of what it is. For me, it's like, it's like a lightning bolt and I just know something (laughs) that is the next right thing to do so when you cancel the book tour maybe that maybe you didn't have the knowing but Abby did thank God and then what was the next thing in your head of like how am I going to make sure my community is supported how am I going to make sure this labor of love and creativity is supported what did you where did you go so the great part was I was like okay we'll just we'll just pretend this didn't happen and then we'll just do this later right we'll just oh you were gonna hold it yeah, because for sure, well, no, I mean, it was out, but like the whole celebration. Right. Oh, right. Like the yeah. tour. Because, you know, clearly this will all be over in like a few months. That's <laughs> what I thought. And so we are, most of my life, although writing and speaking is a big deal for me, most of my life is together rising. Like most of what we do on a daily basis is our nonprofit. So we knew that we were going to be just slammed out of our minds because we are basically like first responders to families in crisis and all COVID was predicted to be was like one long situation where families were in crisis. So we just kept saying, okay, we felt like we were in promotion mode and we just kept saying switch to service, switch to service. We started working our butts off at Together Rising to try to help where we could. And then, and then I was like, how am I going to show up for people? for my community because everyone was scared shitless, obviously, which was kind of, you guys, I am a person who's dealt with depression and anxiety my whole life. Hi, welcome to, welcome to all of us. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. A a young, a young girl in America, depressed (laughs) and and, and anxiety ridden. Yeah. Tell me why, Glennon. (laughs) Every time somebody asks me, well, why do little girls get eating disorders? I'm like, are you freaking serious? Because they're paying attention. Right. Yeah. You know, Abby actually noticed, she said, it's weird that you just, you seem calmer since COVID came. Like you're, I was the the calmest one in my family and still am about the COVID thing. And it was so baffling just for a while. And I think I figured out, oh, because I've been saying my whole life, I've been chicken little my whole life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My whole life I've been going, oh, this shit's going to get bad. Like, yes. Are you all paying attention because this shit is bad and it's and everybody's like more medicine and I'm like but maybe you're just not paying attention and then the sky really did fall mm-hmm. and I was like how are you like yeah no. yeah so I felt like I had been developing all along the skills of being scared all the time and still figuring out how to show up and like do your work and mm-hmm. help each other and comfort each other which makes people like me and you guys like really helpful in times like this. So I started doing these morning meetings, which by the way, was something that I used to do with my third graders. Cause I used to teach elementary school. I still feel like I'm a elementary school teacher. Who's just on this weird hiatus, right <laughs> but my favorite time of the day with third graders 
was when we sat down in the beginning of the day and didn't do any school stuff. We just talked about like being human and how hard it is to be a kid and what was going on at home. And we had this little song that went, it's morning meeting time, it's morning meeting time. So for some reason, I started doing morning meetings with my community online. And then the morning meeting started taking off like crazy. And then team took off from the morning meetings. That's what every, that's what my whole team thinks. Cause none of us know how the hell this happened. As somebody who watched it from the outside, I think that also the book is the exact right book for this exact right moment, right? Mm-hmm. For everyone yeah. in so many yeah. different ways, don't you think? But those morning meetings were really special, especially in the beginning where people were like, what are we do? Like, what are we doing? I can't fucking homeschool my kid and bah, there's so much laundry. And I feel like it was just like a very calming, safe place and then a way to like refocus and we had everything taken away all our people and all just you don't realize how much how meaningful it is to just nod to someone in public and say hey or talk to someone in line at the store and I remember that last shopping trip before everything shut down and I remember thinking to myself like this is going to be the last time I'm doing this for a long time and Mm -hmm. some guy in front of me was like I forgot frozen pizzas I'm going to run and get frozen pizzas and he turned around and said, do you want frozen pizzas? And I was like, yeah, get me two frozen pizzas. <laughs> and I was like, this is going to be the last time that I'm having like just a little chit chat in a grocery store line with somebody for oh, a long time. Like a weird interaction with a stranger that you'll never probably see again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you were giving people like a water cooler or like a town mm. square to come in that moment when we all thought that it was, it had evaporated forever. I really think one of the things too um, is that uh we all got to sit quietly like in our bodies but like in our houses usually i have to go to work i have to go to the gym i have to go to the store i have to do i have to drop the kids off at school not me i'm talking about other people uh but uh everybody has something to do that can distract them from whatever's going on and in, like inside of them and i think that the 2 hours that you used to get you used to get ready in the morning are now used to sit with yourself and I think that that's one of the reasons obviously social justice books took off but also a really good reason why Untamed took off because people were sitting with themselves in a new way and yeah. being like I do not yeah. think that this works for me yeah I think and yeah. then your book was like listen to your body you're right and they were like <laughs> oh my god those two hours in the morning that I've been ignoring my Heart, my mind. Also, full disclosure, I do think there is like safeness in even just the way your book looks. Like if you're like a lady at home and you like pull out Malcolm X, your your family might be like, what the fuck is going on with you? (laughs) And then if you're like, I'm reading Glennon Doyle. It's like I always say, put the pill in the cheese. It's like a sneaky way to take care of yourself without being aggravated by like people who might be like, why are you reading bell hooks right now? Yeah, I, that's, that brings up a really interesting question, Glennon, that I wanted to ask you. Casey and I had so many conversations. And then in the busy tonight writers room, we talked about how to be subversive in our activism and in getting across messages that, um, you know, maybe people that uh, wouldn't, wouldn't maybe be open to yet. And storytelling was like the only way you can like change people. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'm curious how much of 
what Shantira is saying specifically about the book, like the cover and like how much of it did you think like, let's make this a little bit like approachable for people who are like, I'm not going to read a feminist manifesto, a book about becoming, you know, an activist. I'm not buying my wife for Christmas, the book that makes her leave me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> A-year review ever. It's from Sue who writes just interesting book, five stars. Don't let your wife read it. Oh, wow. Wow. oh yes. Yeah. That's wild. Such complicated feelings about that issue. Because uh, since for the last five years, I mean, there, you know, articles have been written about me that say I'm a Trojan horse. Like I come in looking one way and then say other things. I think that's what they mean. But the more I think about it, the more pissed off it makes me because what I think they're saying is that you look like, I think it's a little bit of misogyny in that. Oh, yeah. 100% for sure. <laughs> but saying, like you look like you should be stupid. Yeah. That's exactly mm. what they're saying. Yeah. So, so it's not a Trojan horse. It's like, you're just a misogynist. You're just shocked that I could have a, a cover that has any pink in it and that I could ha- be full of like really good ideas that, 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 that anybody who should be taken seriously should look a certain way. It's what I love about you so much, Fizzy. It's like Thanks. Your, your absolute refusal to, to, not, to, 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 to hold on to whatever you consider like your look, your, your presentation to the world mm-hmm. and also be brilliant and badass and like not compromise any of it. I guess for me personally, I have seen the thing that has been like put on me forever, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, at the dinner party where, you know, the business man who has like too many degrees from Harvard suddenly looks over and then like really looks at you because you've said something smart and yes exactly you know Glennon because you've been at that table exactly you know I guess I've used that as part of my superpower Mm -hmm. in the last five ten years and part of what I what I want is I want to dismantle the patriarchy and white supremacy, <laughs> obviously. But I want to get these women who ha- are are just trapped in these cages out of these fucking cages mm-hmm. and at least a little bit. And I'm just going to tell you, they're not going to do it by picking up a book off the shelf that, that but genders... That, looks, that, that I wrote, yeah. to be completely honest. Totally. So I just feel like... I don't know. Like for me, it's not about being a Trojan whore. I mean, that's like being perpetrated on us by other people. Mm -hmm. But for me, in order to like get in there with, I mean, look, we can look at the statistics. We know what the white, the white women that still voted for Trump, what's happening people. That's a whole nother thing. I mean, just, just my thoughts about that are not yet formed. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I will tell you that, <laughs> I don't know if you felt this way, Busy, but when I saw those first exit polls about the white women, I was seriously like, I have personally failed. Like, yeah. this was my fucking job. <laughs> like, how? And then I started thinking about it more and more. And I'm like, wait, like, the more we look at, like, the Stacey Abrams and the Latasha Browns and, like, all, you know, all these activists in Georgia and all these people that 
like, okay, do we even fucking need to keep trying to woo them over? Like they, well, they're going to do what they're going to do. Or is it, is it just to get a few more white asshole supremacists to like join us? Or is it just to continue to let them die out and like continue to like, you know, get voters who are disenfranchised and who are, who are suppressed to the polls? Like, because there's more of them anyway than there is. Yeah. In I have very strong feelings about this. I, I look at it like when we talk about, um, you know, when women come forward to tell their stories and sometimes it takes one brave woman to say this happened to me. And then next thing you know, it's it's a tsunami of women saying this also happened to me. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel the same about politics. I'm probably not going to convince somebody who's ideology is so different from me but what I can do is keep saying who I am without letting my voice shake because you remember in 2016 like people were women were pushed underground you couldn't say anything without getting swarmed by you know people on the other side and people on our side about like you know I'm very excited that we're gonna possibly have our first woman president you couldn't say anything Mm -hmm. and so people joined all these secret groups you know where they could talk behind closed doors about these things and I think that was detrimental so I think that in that same way that when a woman comes forward and says something then Mm -hmm. there's strength in numbers so I think while I probably won't convince anyone having like a tit-for-tat argument with someone who believes something very differently than I do I bet you there's a thousand women who are like me around me who are just waiting for me to say this is what I think and then they'll be like I think that too Mm -hmm. I think that like I'm really like truly excited to talk about this because after I found out about the second impeachment I was like I really want to talk to Glennon Um, (laughs) because in your book, you, you say you're like, this book isn't out yet in the race section. Uh, Oh, I I wanted to bring this up too. I love this. Yeah. The book isn't out yet. So I don't know if I'm going to be like, damn, after this came out, I don't think that anyway anymore. So like to go back to what you were saying about Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams isn't working for white people. Stacey Abrams is working to, help stop the suppression of black people and it's white people's job to help white people and then i also talked to my partner about this last night when uh because i also was like you know like fuck them fuck them nazis fuck all of them right and we really had a discussion about addressing what you were saying it's like leaving them behind when you reach back to get those women to get those people who are still left in those communities kind of feeling all alone even if you reach one of them it's very important because white women are like 90 percent of teachers like they like are responsible for little brown kids and they grow up to be white women who are respected in their communities and i think that like the fact of the matter is stacy is too busy to go back and talk to them and also they're not going to talk to her anyway i mean like i'm upset with white women i can't imagine being a white woman and being like <laughs> i'm trying you know so it's i a, think it's that, a bummer yeah. It's like when you have an embarrassing family member where you're constantly like apologizing and you're like, I'm so sorry. That's how it feels. I'm sorry if people are listening to this and you've said this a million times on another podcast, but I wanted to ask you, right? In your book, you say like no family recovers until each member recovers, right? And I'm thinking about that as like American, like America as a family, 
right now there are people in this country who will not recover during our lifetime right so with that idea especially what's going on right now how do you think how do you think you might or how do you think we could proceed further into wherever we're going this experiment if we go in fully knowing that we will not be able to recover everyone you know, all I know is that I think the reason I wrote that chapter that way is because I actually really do believe that shit. Like, I yeah. really do believe that I've seen it so much in my life in recovery. Um, I've seen it so much in in the lives of families that I've worked with, um, with alcoholism and with addiction and with sickness. I mean, I think that you guys are right, that the reason that... Um, that Untamed did so well in this moment is because of the stopping. It's because of the, um, what Shantira was saying about, you know, the, the metaphor in the book about how we're all snow globes and COVID was kind of a forced settling of the snow globe. I mean, the divorce rate is sky high, baby. <laughs> Women are leaving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they got to be with themselves and they're leaving. Because it's so easy for us to ignore the thing at the center of the snow globe when we're so busy, when we when we're keeping the snow, you know, shaken up with all the things we use, the food, the booze, the shopping, the snark, the, the busyness, the work, the whatever. And COVID was a forced settling. And that's why people are dealing with their shit for the first time. That people are dealing with like, oh God, okay, maybe the six glasses of wine a night actually isn't like my best life. Maybe like I need to end that relationship. Maybe I, and in their families, in their relationships, mm -hmm. they can't ignore that the mm -hmm. thing at the center anymore. And I think that I think that that's what happened with our nation. Yeah, because we all when because because of George Floyd because of the police brutality that none of that was new. No. Not but one they had thing. to sit with it. They had to sit with it. At it. We had to look so at it. Incredible. We had to yeah. collectively sit and stare at it. And we had to think. We had to feel it. We had to like, there was nowhere to run from it. So, I mean, I guess if there's hope and like what I have seen in lives and families and communities and in nations, right? Yeah. History, is that there is hope for justice only after everybody acknowledges what the hell happened. Right. 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 Yeah. So the whole idea of like, there's never ever been any sort of revolution without a huge like revelation. Yeah. Right. So, and that's the same Shantari talking about in families. Like, is this, is this revelation of who America is mm -hmm. and has always been strong enough to get us out of denial? Yeah. We'll have to and, wait and, and see. <laughs> what I know for sure is that everybody calling for unity is not the right answer. No. Like, what the hell? Like, what? When have we ever? Like, can you imagine being in a family? Let's go back to the family. Mm -hmm. And there's one person who's being a total freaking lunatic jackass, kicking everyone's asses, doing everything wrong. Breaking windows. <laughs> and we're all like, just get over it. No, the person has to acknowledge what they've done, apologize, change their behavior, and then we call for family unity, right? So I've been thinking about it like an addiction metaphor a lot because that's, you know, that's been my experience like growing up. Um, and addiction's been a huge thing in my life. Nobody ever helps someone stop 
being addicted to something by saying, you know what, let's meet halfway on this. You mm-hmm. can be a little bit addicted to this and you're, you're, you'll never get better. So I feel like we've been seeing a lot of people hitting their rock bottoms of like where, you know, a lot of us for, and for better and for worse. And so I'm curious if you think that will change anything for some people. Well, I know there's no meat in the middle. I know it's not like, okay, I see you're a white supremacist and I'm for equality. <laughs> so let's just meet in the middle. Let's just be like a little bit supremacist and like you bring your stuff. And then like, like that whole. You hate me and, and then we'll figure it out. <laughs> that whole diagram is not going to work. And y'all like, this is, you know, we, I live in a very strangely, very strangely conservative town. It's, I live in Naples, Florida. I know. I was so, I'm so shocked that you live there. And then I, I understood why you do, but that is, that does seem wild. I'm from Tallahassee, Florida. And then when I found out you were from Naples, I was like, all right, you're working hard down there. Sometimes like you stay there and you do the work. And if I would have stayed in Tallahassee, I could have done a lot of work, but like, sometimes you gotta leave. (laughs) I'm not super sure while you're leaving, but sometimes the work becomes too big for where you are. So like when I found out you were in Naples, I was like, you're doing a lot of work for sure. And life life (laughs) is too big. And your kids, I mean, I, we're, in a, Abby and I are married. We have a kid who's gay. This, there's just this. Chase came to us to me one day and said, "This place does not love us." No. And I was it like, doesn't. "That for my kid to say that to me, just like there's so many parts in Untamed where it's like these doors aren't even locked. Like I can leave this religion. I can leave this marriage. Mm-hmm. I can." And then I finally I was like, "Wait, I can sure as hell leave this city." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. And I that's the pivot I just made, and. It was also of mine was not my kids telling me with their words, but I just had I had that thing where I dropped in and I was like, oh, this this is toxic for our Mm -hmm. kids and for me personally. And if we stay here, it's bad. We got to get the fuck out right now. Mm -hmm. And we like left 48 hours later. Well, I think too busy and 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 Glennon, I think about what you were talking about to kind of to go back and piggyback off of like how you've always been anxious I feel like we've all kind of had an anxiety uh you talk about it in book two but like being the canary uh I feel like empaths empathic people are the canaries for society they Mm -hmm. blow they like blow the whistle they tell everyone how bad we're getting and when we are out in the world alone being like hey this is really bad everyone tells us to push it back down inside of us Mm -hmm. and now everyone has met up to the anxiety to which we live in constantly and I think that's one of the reasons you're thriving Glennon is because everyone (laughs) uh, has finally met up to where all the empaths have been screaming Mm -hmm. and so many empaths also are uh, addicts because they are like I'm so sad about the world why Mm -hmm. isn't anyone listening I will drink about this. And now the entire world is sad. And we get to crack our knuckles and be like, welcome. I'm going to show you how to fucking live. We've been waiting for you to see everything that we see. I feel like people get to feel their feelings now because it's like the first (laughs) time everybody gets to be as fully empathic, as fully emotional, as fully in their feelings. As fully human. human, as fully human as as ever, I think. Mm-hmm. So 
That's what I think. I think people are finally catching up to the impasse and so many impasse are really finding their way because everyone's catching up and they get to be like, you know what? You can cry about that. I cried about this in the third grade. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's not just about feelings. It's about truth. Right. Absolutely. It's, It's like the relief. It's not just like, oh, you're sad. Welcome. It's like the relief of people seeing and knowing the things that we're talking about things that are true. Finally, it reminds me of the first time I ever went to a recovery meeting and I was like, Oh, this is where they keep the honest people. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it suddenly feels like the jig is up, you know, or I spent some time in a mental hospital my senior year in high school. And, and it was such a relief to be in there because it was like, Nobody was acting like it, it would have been ridiculous if you were in there to be like, I'm fine. Everything's great. Like, because you're there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think up, the right? thing with social justice right now is that so many people who get it, they want to call us like work. So woke social justice warriors or whatever. So many black people, so many queer people, so many people who have been like, Yo, the police be fucking with us. Like, the government is not taking care of us. One of the things, just in California alone, the um, unemployment, like, in 2011, they found that, like, 84% of the phone calls to unemployment were not being answered at all. Like, nobody was answering the phone at unemployment in 2011. The pandemic happened. Same thing. Nobody's answering the phone. But now there's architects and lawyers and people with Teslas who need to get somebody on the phone. Mm. So all of a sudden, (laughs) it's almost like, you know, we always talk about the stars aligning in like a wonderful way, like the stars aligned for this wonderful thing to happen. We're seeing horrible stars align because it just so happened that very recently there were social justice protests at the Capitol. And it's recent enough that we who forget everything remember it vividly because it was like two weeks ago and then there was this uprising at the capitol and we remember the way people were treated just a few weeks ago and so it's like this these horrible stars are aligning where like really people who whose eyes were closed were suddenly like well it would be hard to deny that and they're still doing it they're yeah, still denying yeah, it yeah. <laughs> hard, but not impossible yes. <laughs> we can do hard yeah. things yeah <laughs> but i wonder because one of the things like as somebody who's super all four of us right here are very crying all the time yeah we're just really <laughs> empathetic i think we're really empathetic people i think we feel things deeply and i think we see we see the truth of the thing. And I think that that not to genderize a trait, but I do think that that is like sort of a more historically feminine quality of having, of having that ability to do that. Because also I was very glad in your book that you address this idea of like, Oh no, the boys, I never told there's a, there's a problem with boys. How women are allowed. Women are allowed in this country too. Right. Because you said ability. And like, that's the right word or permission. We have permission to be that. Yeah. Probably just as many men have the possibility of inherently being empaths. There's no way that that's gendered because nothing's really like inherently gendered. Yeah, it's all a construct. Permission (laughs) to express that part. I mean, what kind of boy in this freaking culture where we teach boys that all they're allowed to be and and claim their worthiness is angry like that that's the only or you know that's the only emotion they're allowed to show what little boy is going to feel permission 
to be an empath. Right. I was a third grade teacher and I know how boys who show any sort of mercy or compassion or um, uncertainty even get shamed from other kids. So I just, I think it's sad. Every time I think about men, which is not very often, honestly. (laughs) Same, same. Also same. (laughs) It's like, it must be so, it's so weird to me to, to consider that men are as fully human as women. Like, I know that sounds terrible. (laughs) Wow. That's kind of wild. And also, yes. Like, oh my God, they have to be right. When you think logically, like they have to be as fully human as women and they have so little permission from our culture to explore any of it to express any of it to like that I in that way I feel like men are caged way more severely than women are at this point I wouldn't trade places with a man for for anything I just yeah, I wouldn't it. either for sure do a couple hours (laughs) (laughs) we always talk about little kids not having the language and I feel that way about men you know obviously I'm married to a man I'm a mother to two young men I have a lot of men who are friends and I do I see a lot of anger and I'm like what is like why are you angry about this though and it turns out that yeah that's just the label that they're slapping on every emotion that they're feeling Mm. and my husband and I talk about this too like there's no there's not even any regulation about the anger like he you know I'm like you're just as angry that you dropped a pencil as you are about like an injustice in the world you know that's like but I, I do feel bad because they, I feel like a lot of men just don't have the language and it's exactly what you're saying, Glenn. And there's, they don't, they never got permission to learn the language. I don't know how bad I feel about men. That's just where I'm at. Uh, I like don't know how bad I feel about them because if they wanted to, they're in charge of everything. They could feel it. Uh, I think one of the things for me is that women don't get to be mad and we need that. I think both of us are lacking in things that would help us be more fully human because when women get to experience their righteous anger, they fully become themselves and there's nothing more powerful than a woman who's fully themselves. So men get to have the emotion that lets them have power. And I think that's why I do not feel bad for them because being mad, they could be sad alone on a run in the middle of the night because nobody's going to (laughs) you know what I mean they we don't get they don't get to express those emotions to us those emotions do not create power I think Mm -hmm. in men but for women the emotion that we are not allowed to express openly is the one that is associated with power but I just feel like my whole thing in the last several years specifically about this is that Like, and obviously, guys, I went to two years of Loyola Marymount University. You know what I mean? (laughs) I took one gender studies class at Santa Monica Community College when I was in between jobs, like when I was like 23. That's the last time I was in a classroom. And I've read fucking books, but I don't know anything. This is just what I think. I do think that like the first thing that we were sold about gender equality and parity was a bunch of fucking bullshit because it was just hide every aspect and trait that you feel that comes across naturally to you i.e your feminine characteristics and if you want to succeed in this world bend yourself to be like these 
this other gender. And what we've tried to do for 30 fucking plus years is act like men in the workplace and take it when they would, you know, be one of the boys and be able to go to the strip clubs and be able to be fucking degraded and be a man about it or whatever. And it did none of us any fucking service and fucked us all up. And everyone in the nineties got raped. I'm sorry to like even say it like that, but it's just fucking true. Like I feel like where we have to go now is to invite those boys and now all these men over to a different way of doing things like the feminine softer like drop into your feelings like see things be empathetic because empathy can be taught I also don't think that inviting it to the feminine I think we're also still gendering it right so we're inviting right, I them know. okay right right okay right. <laughs> so but like how we're, you, yeah but how do you say it but how okay, do you fucking say it like yeah. Okay. What if we stopped using gendered words completely? What if we got to the root of it? Okay. Why our country, so many, but let's just focus here. We are based completely on a very few people keeping power while yeah. nobody else has any. Yeah. Okay. How do you maintain that sort of inequality, that unbelievable kind of injustice? Is that you cannot in any way allow curiosity mercy, um, compassion, empathy. You cannot allow those things into that system, okay? The way that you do not allow those things into this kind of system in a misogynistic system is to label and continuously over time define those characteristics as feminine. feminine. Right. We completely shame them out of men and then we can dismiss them and women. Right. We could sort of look at it as like, and I'm probably not the first person to say this. I'm going to say it like I thought of like the most genius thing, but it's, <laughs> we we should look at it as like an emotional spectrum that we're all born with, where on one side is like, whatever you want to say, gentleness, compassion, happiness, contentment. On the other end is hatred anger, thirst, lust for power. And so I think what you're saying, Busy, is to invite people, all people from right. who are at that extreme end or, you know, three quarters of the way down that spectrum to come closer to the center. Because you also probably don't want to be all the way at the other end of the spectrum where you're just like a beating raw heart. Well, I couldn't be because, you know... I have a I have a real well, hard edge. Well, there yeah. is space. I think there is space for that. I think that that is where I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetime because those people who were completely raw, beating hearts were they used to be given a space in their society. They used to be given a space in. Uh, I, I, me and my partner talked about. I don't even remember what. Um, it was like a tribe uh, uh, and they the had like shaman. a shaman. These are the shamans. Yeah, there was like, they had, they had a shaman and like some fucking colonizers came to their shore and um, the only, the only person in their tribe who could see the ships was the shaman because they only could see what they knew. And a shaman was someone that was beyond the confines of whatever we put on people. And they were able to see what they did not know. And they were like, y'all see them ships? And everybody was like, we, we can't see what we don't know. We can't see what is beyond us. And I think that we're slowly trying to move towards everybody 
being able to see the ship. During last summer, George Floyd, people finally saw ships for the first time. And it wasn't just empaths. So I really think that we are obviously moving out of gendering people. But like one step at a time, I guess. We're slowly stopping the gender people. Now we can move into our language, into what we do with our bodies, into what right. we, movies we watch are just movies as opposed to men's movies or whatever. So right. if that well, makes sense. Of <laughs> right. But, and in the way that I'm trying to talk about it, I'm trying to talk about like the idea from the 70s. I mean, there's a reason why planned pair, I mean, planned abortion first of all i'm so fucking glad you talk about how evangelicals took up roe v wade as because i talk about it all the time and people are like what are you talking about my sarah beth who lives with us who's was raised in an evangelical christian household i was like baby girl like evangelical christians didn't even give a fuck about abortion until jerry falwell saw that he could get his racist ass agendas through and segregation and keep segregation if they like focused it on in on that issue and motivated the the christians and she's like that's not true that's just i and she's like and she's like so like she's so she's obviously she's she's like out of it and like pro-choice and all of this stuff and she's like no i think they were always very very uh Mm -hmm. anti-abortion i was like no they weren't (laughs) they're Um, just really they're really good at pr is what the fuck they are i'm so glad (laughs) so so glad you wrote that in your book because i think that's a really really important piece of history that is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller so when you talk about like these traditional gender roles ideas traits character traits whatever part of the thing that like is so fucking wild and amazing to me about birdie's preferred pronouns is that i've have a new understanding about pronouns and and dismantling everything you know the binary just from watching my own child somebody posted a thing and it was like trying to be a very nice post and they're like busy son birdie and I was like yeah mm, not my son uh not my son but bless you bless him so for trying. hard for trying but like I want I want to be able to have these conversations with gen x people on how we can start to shift everything and our thinking and I guess that yeah I defer to like what our society has up until this point like labeled as gendered traits Mm -hmm. but I also want people to know what the fuck I'm talking about do you know what I mean so then how do you do that guys how do you do that help I don't know I mean one of the funniest things that I find about I don't know if you find this too but we all the time Abby and I will be out like doing the things and we still like we'll be at a restaurant and people will turn to her and give her the bill people will oh yeah hey, the, how are you gonna be sexist to <laughs> two women like oh yeah it's still it's still like oh well one looks like the boy so we'll treat that one like the boy or it's so ingrained it's so ingrained I don't know I mean I just remember you know as a teacher just being like the goal which is what Casey was saying is just really getting people to believe and understand that there are no characteristics of human beings that are gendered right there's only permission to express certain characteristics that are gendered 
So you're allowed if you're a man to express anger. You're not allowed if you're a little girl to express anger, right? Very unbecoming of a young lady. Right, of course. Because angry people demand change. So yeah. every single marginalized group is going to be shamed out of their anger. And also, yes, Glennon, uh, people do gender me and my girlfriend. She told me <laughs> that when we're out, people treat her better when we're together because they treat me like a man. So mm. they do not, she, no one hits on her. When we go on a walk, even if we're not, even if we go on walks sometimes, and she'll be like, when I go outside by myself, men talk to me. And when I go outside with you, men compliment you on your sneakers and then they keep it moving. So like, <laughs> interesting. There is that aspect. I can't, I don't know how to put my finger on the words, but there's an immediate respect mm -hmm. that we get from men when Abby's around. Yes. They I respect whatever respect. the the masculinity I do dress more masculine of center to to gender it. And uh, when me and my partner are together, men will be like, cool shorts, bro. Love those sneakers. And then she'll go outside and she'll be like, I went to the mailbox and a man honked his horn at me and, and, and yelled at him. She was like, when she was, we were walking together every day for weeks. And then one day I was like, I have a lot of work to do. I'm not going on the walk. She was like, I went out in the walk to walk as if I was with you. And I had to be reminded immediately that I was by myself. Mm -hmm. Truly. So even, even if I'm not a man, I have enough masculinity to gain respect from men and people who are femme presenting do not realize that, but it is very interesting. Well, so it's interesting because it brings it right back to what Busy was saying that yeah. there was a time when we were told to just man up for lack, you know, to, to like that change if we the way wanted that to, yeah, that if we wanted to succeed in business, if we wanted to play with the big boys, you had to put your big fucking boy pants on and you had to be one of them. I just think that's bullshit. I still think it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it, it's really interesting that Sh Shantira and Glennon are both saying that it's like something that's going on in their everyday lives still. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It, it, it's wild. It's wild. I also think that what you said, Busy, too, like if you do all that stuff, you do all the man stuff, put your big boy pants on and you get into that space. Now that you're in there, you cannot become them. You have to... I feel like a lot of women get into like male dominated spaces and they're like, now I'm going to be a motherfucker. And it's like, wait, no, you trick them. You're yeah. in there now. Now you bring other women in and treat them well, or you change the, the dynamics of the room. And I think that that's the thing that people left out. They were like, if you're going to do that, pull an okie doke fucking get in there and then be like, I lied. I'm actually a very nice lady and I'm going to do nice lady things. So <laughs> that's, where we need, that's where we need a Trojan horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think you're right. Abby talks about that a lot. Like she's because she was able to get in a lot of those rooms, mm -hmm. not only because of her achievements in the sports world, but because she was so masculine presenting because the, the guys would talk to her. And she talks about like what you're saying, being in those rooms and regretting feeling just grateful to be there. Yeah. And like sitting, you know, try, you know, melt molding to that instead of blowing that up. Right. But also guys yeah. think about Shantira, the fucking people, the articles that were written and the shit that was said to me when I was like, yeah, this is fucking bullshit that they canceled my show, that I was outspoken about how 
how much it sucked and how bad and mediocre that man in charge who got fired like two months later anyway for at E was like when I sent him that fucking text message saying no too bad do better like you should be better at your job um like people were literally writing articles like oh poor little cry baby lost her and it's like if i was a fucking man the, this i mean that would have been like I, look I at what great, you do i wasn't <laughs> fucking grateful i wasn't i'm not i deserve it like i deserved yeah. <laughs> more you know it's what i mean so infuriating how everything is gendered yes, I mean, yes. along the same along the same lines busy she had certain, you guys, the amount of times that I do interviews and people are like, so is there anything you don't talk about? Or people will call me a confessionalist writer. Oh, and mm. I'm like, wait, wait, if I were a man, I would just be called a writer. Yeah. Like even calling it confessional suggests that there's something like dirty or secret or like, yeah. and I'm just, I'm t- you know, when men do it, it's called literature. When women, yeah. when women do it, it's when I'm writing about things that women care about, when I'm writing about, then it's like puffy or like, uh, the, 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 the tell all, the tell all yeah. you're doing. The tell the tell- all. Oh, that's what I did too. Sure. Is David Carr confessional? Is David Foster Wallace confessional? David, I was about to say, is David right. Foster Wallace confessional? No. Or, or like there was this huge article that came out when Untamed that came out was like, Good and Doyle is writing a third memoir. Like, why? And it's like, David Sedaris has written 68 books. <laughs> and like, is he not going away yet? Like, they're like, He's right. She has a third thing to say. Oh, what how dare you? Well, it, I, it, it really is a power thing for sure, because no one cares if you write. And obviously I love romance novels. Like no one cares if you write 38 romance novels. They mm. do not feel like that is going to affect women in a way that gives them more power. Right? Disrupt the power structure. Right. It's a way of telling a woman that her life is small. David Sedaris is a really good example. He he writes about such narrow slices of his life. He writes about these just a small year when he worked at Macy's Sandaland, and that's like a massively popular book. And that that's just you know that's just one Christmas probably. I don't know. I don't. I can't I worked remember. At the body shop in the mall <laughs> one Christmas. Making gift right. baskets. So you know. So you know what I'm saying. It's a way of telling women like your life is too small to be worth this it's like chiclet yeah what's the the male version what's the male version just lit do you know how hard it is it's so easy for men to get stuff i'm always just like the mediocrity is Uh, overwhelming so just like the mediocrity is overwhelming (laughs) but i I, truly but like you getting a third book you getting one book is fucking hard right Mm -hmm. so if you got Three, it's the same thing, obviously, like we say about black people, but it really does work for women. You have to be twice as good to get half as much, right? And not saying that those other people are not good, but you do not get to be mediocre and get one book, right? You don't get it. And if you failed, you would not get another one, right? So for you to get three, that means that (laughs) you really fucking had to do it, right? Or you could be a man, you could write about Christmas and get six. And that takes nothing away from his talent. But I think one of the things, too, that has been really earth shattering for people during this time uh, is that when men or when people with privilege or people who are really wrapped up in white supremacy, when they realize that what mm. they got 
was not necessarily because they were the best. It was because they were, they have an opportunity to do it where other people have to be the best to get the opportunity to do it. And if you let go of that and really recognize your like reality, your entire fucking world crashes. Mm -hmm. And then you have to do some work and gendering it. I, I am, but like a lot of women are willing to do the work Mm. after they find out the truth and a lot of men will go and blow up something when they find out the truth <laughs> like the capitol building well, you know that takes us back though that takes yeah. us back to like the issue where you're talking about how do we begin to yes. get people to because the reason why so few of white women, I think, are willing to open up to the idea that they could be wrong about yeah. everything, right? Is because it's terrifying. It's because it's like one of those Jenga games where you're yeah. like, but if I consider that thought, like the whole thing will crumble. Everything I've been taught. I know that because of, of religion. Yeah. Like how many you know, Christian people cannot even consider that little, like, oh my God, if I consider dinosaurs actually existed, then the whole fucking thing falls apart, right? Like, it's, it's, it's very scary to consider deconstructing the whole damn thing, yeah. which is what we're asking people to do when we ask them to turn away from that set of beliefs. It's, mm -hmm. And so we, we are angry and we are like, how can they not see it? And how can they not and it, and it really is, at the end of the day, going to have to be a gentler approach, probably. I'm not there yet. I don't know. Yeah, it's not my, know your role. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a gentle bitch. I'm not gentle enough yeah. to do it. <laughs> well, it also goes back to what you were saying earlier, Glennon, about the snow globe, about how we're all just busying ourselves with so many things that we can't see the truth right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And so I think that people are probably, you know, busying themselves with a lot of ideas that are distracting from the truth because it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like the whole thing will come crashing down. And I think a lot of us, you know, without gendering it because of the way that our society is structured, patriarchal society, we defer to a lot of people sometimes to be the authority on something and it's because i don't know why it we do, we're uncomfortable examining why mm. we're not the authority on it you have to yeah. give yourself the authority to become the authority on things that you think and right the scariest part to me is like it's not the pe okay so i'm gonna try to say this so it's like the people okay the the, the climate change deniers okay right like, yeah there's all the people who actually don't believe that climate change is a thing. But then there's the people at the top who taught them that. They do believe in climate change. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. They, this is like the same thing with the evangelicals. Like there's mm -hmm. all these people who live and die by abortion. Okay. And gayness. There's the people at the top who taught them that, but they don't believe that shit. No. Not for a second. No. Not for a second. They just knew it was uh, politically strategic to get them all to believe it. So you have this very difficult situation where you're creating huge masses of true believers and the people at the top who taught them all that, they're just doing it to like get their own teeny needs met because the people at the oh. top are teaching all of them not to believe in climate change so they can stay in bed with oil manufacturers. This is my, this is my question, Glennon. And this is like maybe too big for any of us. 
<laughs> because this is the thing that I've like in the last several, what well, I don't even know how long, but really recently, especially, I've just been like, what? For money? <laughs> it's for some money, guys? Really? That's it? It's crazy to me that this is all motivated by some people getting some money. And look, your girl likes a fucking nice dress. You know what I mean? I enjoy it. I like shopping. But I also would be like totally fine if I never bought another nice dress. If like I knew that everybody that I loved was and everybody that I loved in my neighborhood and everybody that I see when I walk down the street was like well fed and taken care of and like that the world wasn't burning. Do you know what I mean? I would give up everything. Like I would, I really would. I really fucking would if that could be the way that the world changed. But what the fuck? These guys are just like trading on lives for, it seems like a game of monopoly. And I just, I really can't wrap my head around what they think, how they live with themselves. How these, how they're mostly men, although there are some just fucking horrible women. But oh yeah, Jessica Voss is a very bad woman. <laughs> nothing, nothing worse. Shantira taught me nothing trickier than a tricky white lady. <laughs> but how do they live with, like, literally? How do you think they live? How do they live with themselves? How do they justify this? It's like when the whole thing started with believe women, and I was like, that's not the thing. They believe women. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that Christine Blasey Ford is telling the truth. They just don't give a fuck. Yeah. They don't care. Stop saying believe in climate change. They, they believe. They just care more about their money. Right? Like, so. But what are they getting? This is what I mean. But like, I guess just truly, what are they getting? Houses? Cars? Busy, you said it. It's a game. It is game. a game. Because, Glennon, also... You know, this is something that I feel like you and I deeply connect on too, which is that people, I do interviews all the time and people are like, you share everything about your life. You share every moment and thing. I'm like, what are you, who, huh? How do you, okay. How would you anyway, know? How would you know? <laughs> are you there? Are you in my life? Anyway, I was, uh, I had a situation in my life that I can't share, but in it, this man said, you know, this, this man was acting a certain way toward me and honestly my gut feeling was that he just felt like he was wasn't getting a good deal that he just mm -hmm. he wasn't getting a good enough deal for him you know yeah. and that reminds me when you say that word when you say that that phrase he just felt like he wasn't getting a good enough deal I I just immediately think of all of those men who and women who were storming the capitol it's like there's something about that at the heart of white supremacy that's like I was I was sold this American dream and my life isn't what I was told it would be. That's right. And there has to be somebody to blame for that. And instead of putting the blame on the people in power where it should be, those very same people in power know how to deflect that blame beautifully. And so what they do it, so that they don't get the ire of people who feel like they haven't gotten a good enough deal is that they blame it on everybody else, right? And manipulate people to, to sort of do this bidding that is part of their game. 
that is part Mm -hmm. of to help them win their game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then the difference between those people storming the Capitol and people who weren't storming the Capitol is how we view what is getting a good deal. Like when, if I ask you, Glennon, what do you think is getting a good deal in life? I'm sure you would say like, I think if I have somewhere to live, that's safe. And I have, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? If I have food, if I have shelter, if I have love, if I have companionship, but I bet also part of getting a good deal for any one of us is also thinking, is my deal hurting anyone else's deal? Like Mm. is if Mm. I'm getting food and shelter and clothing and love, is it taking it away from anyone else? Mm -hmm. And if we thought that it was, we would pull back from it. Whereas Mm -hmm. there are some people who are asking themselves, is my deal taking away anything from anyone else? If so, good. That's how I like it. And so, and so, yes, but I also feel like one of the things that is interesting for white women, right, is like, I just think it's a little bit too comfortable, especially for me to be like, well, I mean, I would, I have these nice things and it's not like my things are hurting anyone else. But like, when I actually think about what it means to be a white woman in the world, it feels like part of the pain of awakening to all of this and why so few few people want to do it is that you just come to the realization that you actually like white women, we do make a deal with the devil. Mm. We did. We did. Like we, at some point, we realized that our proximity to power, like that our proximity to white men was going to cost us something, right? And what the cost of that, we said, okay, we will accept this proximity to power. And in return for that, we will, first of all, we will never ask for any real power. And we will look the other way for the rest of our lives. Like, for example, we will accept the protection um, and the comfort of the police present in our presence in our life. And, and in exchange for that, we will never look over there and ask any questions about what police in those communities are doing, right? We will go into every school that our kids are part of and demand that every child in our school has nine iPads. And we will never look down the street and ask why that school doesn't have clean drinking water, right? So the problem is that there is a complicity that white women have that does cost other people something. Yes. Well, I would say, because this is also something from your book that I wanted to bring up, I think that you're, and it was specifically talking about Together Rising, which is that, like, if you are in philanthropy, volunteering, donating long enough, and you're a curious person, ultimately you get to activism. You have to. You have to. Or you become completely complicit with power. Right. Or you are complicit with power. I don't know. I think that that is like a really, really important key that previously philanthropy was just philanthropy and, and was that thing of like keeping people... Pulling people out of the river. Pulling like, and keep right. and and keeping the people in power who are in power. Right. And not asking right. And not asking why they're you know, when you're at your huge gala fundraiser every year, not asking like, wait, what is that guy who owns that company? What is his responsibility in this river situation? Right. You'd almost put yourself out of business as a philanthropist. You wouldn't be able to pat yourself on the back anymore for going to the gala. Certainly could not. Yeah. If you started to examine why the river is unsafe and unpatrolled. 
and, and why there are people upstream. The quote is, you can only pull people out of the river for so long until you have to look upriver and find out who's pushing them in. Yes. Right? Right. When you pay close enough attention, you find out that wherever there's great suffering, there's always great profit. Yes. I mean, how many freaking LGBTQ shelters can Togetherizing builds until we wait, ask, wait, why is the LGBTQ community, especially teenagers, the fastest growing homeless community in this country? As of all the effing religious places that are spewing hate from their pulpits, right? And so these families are bringing home the shame to their houses and they're passing it down to their kids or, or the amount of like therapy that we've been giving and supporting to teachers and students who are victims of these school shootings or just in trauma from all the freaking drills that don't work until you figure out, wait, Upriver, the, there's all of these politicians who are in bed with NRA making cash hand over fist because of this, right? It's why it's so hard to fight the gun lobby because selling guns is a business. Not selling guns is not a business. It's all just money. It's I think all just money. And so many people get into it's like, yeah, I do love my children. I want to go work for the PTA. Or do you want to be in charge, right? I do want to be in charge of the soup kitchen, but I definitely want to take my family there on Christmas and take a picture and show everyone what I'm doing. I'm going to this mission trip in Africa, right? I also th- I think about this with like Bill Gates. and I'm like, you have so much money. Just solve it and go do something else. And I think that there are so many people who, if, if you solve all of the world's problems, you have to sit with your own and the people in power are not there yet. If, if we feed everybody, what will I do? Who am I? And I think that that sounds fucked up, but it's very true. So many people get like, get their self-worth out of what they do. And being the person who raised $50 million for homeless LGBTQ teens is a really great way to feel but if everyone is housed, what do you do and who are you? And I don't know if everyone's there yet. So, And also, the, the way the world changes, I have seen this just dramatically in my life. The way the world treats a woman philanthropist compared to the way a woman treats, uh, the world treats a woman activist. Oh, yeah. Day and night. I mean, when I have my Together Rising hat on and I'm feeding people and I'm building shelters and I'm everybody fucking loves me, right? I'm like the ultimate girl, woman. I'm like the ultimate good girl, yeah. right? Just serving, 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 serving. The second I take that hat off and start speaking about politics, start marching, start you know speaking directly at and to senators and Congress people, it's whoa stay in your lane stay in your lane right yeah yeah I think you said it you said the word right there service Mm -hmm. you are in service Mm -hmm. and if you are serving someone I appreciate that but if you are demanding rights I do not appreciate that Mm -hmm. and to be in service is we love a woman in service. I am being served. <laughs> a suffering, quiet woman in service. So right? I, I, I want to ask you two things too, like as we wrap up eventually, right? Like, what are you looking forward to 
now that people's eyes have been opened and what are you excited about do you think like you want people obviously to read untamed in their eyes to be open but so many people have gotten to that next step and we're here now we have done one step what are you looking forward to this year as we move forward to whatever's coming next you know i was lucky enough to be working beneath and with some amazing leaders in georgia this last few months and i think that the, what happened in georgia just gives me so much hope that i can't really put it into words yet because it feels to me like it was proof yeah we have the numbers it was proof that like like in my head i'm like oh actually there's no states that are red like all of them are actually blue and it's just that the blueness has been suppressed right yes absolutely mississippi has never been red mississippi the audacity for people to think that mississippi oh. is red disgusts me <laughs> <laughs> there's something you know so many people have been saying you know follow black women follow black women follow black women that was like the the mantra but to like actually see and that's one of the reasons there's so many reasons to be pissed about you know an insurrection at the capitol but one of the reasons i was so pissed is because it just stole that day yeah after georgia from all like this every story that day should have been this activist and black lives matter all, all of those like that unbelievable work that they did but what I'm saying is I feel so much hope in that because I feel like we finally have proof that if everyone who believes in the future of what we've been talking about this whole time the collective good yeah gets behind and starts working for activists like the ones you know all of those Stacey Abrams of the earth right and, and I know that Stacey Abrams is not working for white people. Okay. Yeah. I'm not like, and I'm not telling Stacey Abrams to do another damn thing. She doesn't have to do another damn thing for the rest of her life. I'm just saying that we all, all of us who, who care about need to follow that model. Just be like, tell us what to do. We will do, or we'll recreate what you've done. Right. So what happened in, in Georgia just feels like proof to me that it can be done. Right. One state at a time, this can be done. We can no longer say that it can't be done. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the potential and possibility that could come with what's been modeled in this election. Um, I do feel a little bit of hope in the fact that um, the Capitol insurrection, which ever, it will never stop sounding shocking, the Capitol insurrection has finally threatened people where they feel like they're supposed to feel safe. Mm -hmm. mm. That's what it takes. You know, it's infuriating that those sorts of people have been terrorizing all kinds of neighborhoods for a very long time, and we didn't care. But now that they've attacked something that we are supposed to feel safe at, I actually feel like, I don't know what you guys think, but it feels to me like even, even the Trumpies, Trumper, Trumpertons yeah. are starting to be maybe a little shred of death maybe a little shred of humility, maybe a little shred of rethinking. Uh, yeah, they're turning on them. And I, and, um, I like having some hope as a treat. A little hope as a treat. A, a little hope as a treat. But <laughs> I do think one of the things that's been very fascinating that you bring up, Glennon, is that all of those like Republicans in the Senate or whatever in Congress, they've been doing all this to turn those people on us, right? 
to mm-hmm. turn them on us, right? But what happens, a, a hit dog gonna holler, right? They have turned on them. And now we just free to do whatever we fuck we want. They already hated us. I'm not a traitor because you already hated me. What your expectation was from those senators has not been met. You always expected me to try to stop you. So now all that anger, obviously a lot of it still turned towards us, but now it's very much directed at whiteness. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is powerful because black people being mad at powerful white people, queer people being mad at powerful white people has done nothing. Mm -hmm. Angry white people being mad at powerful white people. I'm going to get my popcorn. Right. Let's fucking see that. What's that (laughs) internet meme, Shantira, where people are like, I belong to the leopards eating people's faces party. And then you're like, hey, I didn't think that leopard was going to eat my my face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it isn't, what is it? Well, if it isn't, um, the consequences of my actions (laughs) coming home to roost. I feel like I do feel a bit like all of it was. I mean, it is it is kind of weird, right? Like it's weird how all of the timing of all of this has has happened. But even in terms of like, I have renewed hope for gun reform after what happened at oh, the yeah. Capitol. I have renewed hope for abolishing the police mm-hmm. after what happened at the Capitol. After the videos of the policemen letting the protesters in or the police officer taking the selfies with the pro whatever the rioters whatever the the, the idiots um insurrectionists people who were like for whatever reason for lots of lots and lots of different reasons had their blinders on and couldn't couldn't see it when you see that officer taking the pictures with those people everyone should feel sick Mm -hmm. like it should be sickening people are often quick to say oh it's uh, it's a few bad eggs. Those were some pretty fucking important bad eggs. Those were eggs that were in important positions. So when you get a bad egg at the wrong time, it's really bad. So like, that's my hope is that people won't be so quick to be like, eh, you know, a few bad apples don't spoil the bunch. Actually, a well-placed bad apple just open the gate. Just open yeah. the gate. Yeah, open the gate. Well, I think, we'll, we'll confu- I think the, the hope might come we know how important images are. And, and in, when we're talking about binaries, like even, like we're talking about gender or white supremacy is so based on black and white, literally, and like mm-hmm. bad and good and white versus um, brown and black and, you know, police versus brown and black. Like everything is like, this is what's on our side and this is not. And what the insurrection showed the entire country was a lot of confusion there. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, these white people are bad? Wait, these 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 cop these white people are killing the police. Wait, what I think it did is it messed up the whole. Um, I think it pulled a piece out of the Jenga puzzle. Mm. Ooh, mm. bring it back to Jenga. <laughs> it messed up the binary. That's it messed right. Up the binary. The quiet we're seeing a little bit of humility right now. That insurrection might be the beginning of people going. This is not as um, as completely binary as as we've been sold right it is yeah we love to see it i love the destruction <laughs> of the binary baby yeah <laughs> it's it's become really hard as we were saying earlier it's become really hard to deny those things because those images exist mm-hmm. so it's like when a republican lawmaker is shot in an incident as happened a few years ago he can still be pro-gun but suddenly you're like 
this is hypocritical and this is a performance. And I feel like, like you were saying earlier, Glennon, about people not believing some of the things that they're selling selling to other people is that for me, it's a really powerful feeling to look in someone's face and say, I know that you know that that's not true. Drag them, Casey. Drag them for filth. You can fight, you can fight back and forth. You know, we do it online. We do it on Facebook, but it's just like you, that's really all I feel like I ever need to say. I know, you know, that's not true. And we all need to drop into what we know is fucking true. And Glennon, I do think 44 weeks later, Ugh. I think you've made such a huge impact on so many people allowing themselves to listen to the voice and what it's saying and move forward in not just because once you know something, you can never unknow it, which is like a thing that, by the way, I've said for years, it's actually how I taught birdie internet safety <laughs> was I was I was like my biggest fear was that birdie would see some horrible horrible thing and I was just like birdie once you know something you can never unknow it once you see something you can never unsee it and I do feel grateful for in some ways if I can find like some always I always I I always can but I feel grateful for the confluence of circumstances leading us to your book coming out at the perfect moment for it this insurrection attempt this coup attempt Shantira I was listening to the podcast you made me laugh so hard and you were like (laughs) it's the coup and my agent (laughs) and they're like we know it's the coup but you gotta sign this uh you gotta sign this contract I, we know it's the coup yeah um <laughs> so it's true Chantia doesn't even get a break for the coup <laughs> there's been a revolution I'm booked and busy everybody put a bunch of black squares up and now they're um they're cashing that check baby so yes there was a coup but my team works during a coup Shout out to Isaac. <laughs> I just feel but I just feel like that you have to look at these things. I do think and then whatever, the fucking great conjunction if you're a real crystal bitch like me and love planets. <laughs> like I think if all I of got these powers, let me just tell you right now. If I got powers, I would tell everybody. And I would <laughs> Shantir, be, you've always had I would powers. Be, I'll tell you about like if I could fly. I would be in these streets, just so everybody knows. I would be in these streets. Well, I know, I know, but you do have powers, but we all do. And I think that that's like one of the best and most valuable takeaways from your writing for the last decade and especially this book and, and, and especially in this moment. And, and I'm, I, I, I don't know. It's a lot, right? Like it's all a lot, but then I go back to the Talmud quote that I tried to cross stitch and failed miserably, which is, <laughs> you know, you're not obligated to complete the work, nor are you free to abandon it. Yeah. That's a helpful one. It's helpful, <laughs> but it's not, it's also like you say in the book, cause you know, we talk, this podcast is called doing your best, but it's like, we say too, like y- we can be doing our best, but if you hurt someone else, if your best is is not good enough, you have to acknowledge it and you have to do better. You have to like 
take responsibility for that. And similarly with that Talmud quote, like you're not obligated to complete the work. We say a lot on this podcast, like maybe we won't see it in our lifetime. Well, fuck that is what I'm here to say because I want to. And I would love to, I want to complete the work and I feel like we can, I just feel like we can, we have the Uh, numbers for good. We just gotta, we just gotta follow black women. We have the, we have the, yeah. But also, I'll say when you follow us, listen, because y'all do be following, and then y'all go do whatever the fuck you want. That's, um, that's what I was gonna say. I wanted to say but, earlier. That's why <laughs> Stacey Abrams worked. I don't know if it's because she refused to allow anyone to take the megaphone away from her or because for once people didn't try but that's why it worked it's so important instead of like starting your own committee or your own charity or whatever check it out see if somebody's already there in that place where this thing is happening and if somebody's already doing the work if they already have boots on the ground this goes to our conversation about philanthropy ask them how you can help and then pitch in well and what Shantino was saying about knowing your place too I mean you, you just have to like I when we when we started figuring out that Together Rising was going to have enough money and make enough money to actually fund other organizations that that became like our secondary thing we started really going into communities in the way that we knew how and talking and listening about like who do you trust like who's who's on the ground here who's been on the ground here who's effective here who's in this community like doing work they and all of these groups, okay, I'm making up this number because I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't like 85%, okay, of the groups that we put together on a spreadsheet as a result of the conversations that we launched out into the world. They're all organizations led by women, and most of them are led by women of color, okay? And it's not like a fantasy idea. It's because these are the people who've been doing social justice work for the longest because they've had to. So they know what the fuck they're doing and they know the communities and, but they're not getting the funds because in a white supremacy, we are trust, we are trained and conditioned to trust faces that look like mine with money, mm-hmm. even though real quick, by the way, I have no qualifications. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you say something in the book that I think will, I just like wrote down everything that I liked, but, uh, <laughs> you you say this and I think that this is something that everyone can carry on with them after they've realized where their role is is that like are you there to perform or are you there to mm. transform and we talked about how performative activism is right but even in those quiet moments like did you go to that soup kitchen for the picture or did you go to the soup kitchen to figure out a way for there not to be a soup kitchen And I think that that's where we're at is that people have finally realized, you know, sitting with themselves that, oh, like I do donate to a lot of things so I can tell people I donate to them. So now in those quiet moments, what are you going to do to transform that? Remember when Paul Ryan was a thing and there was that picture of him at the soup kitchen pretending to clean dishes that were already clean? (laughs) I don't, don't, but that tracks. That tracks. Yeah. Gosh. Clennon. I adore you. Adore you too. Thanks for and coming. I have, and I've always seen you out there. I've seen you out there being a woman, a fully human woman, out loud, saying more than three things. Trying. Them allow you to say four things. They try to shut me down. We all see you. And I think you're helping a lot of people see themselves in new ways and very vital ways in order to get this fucking party started 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not and just like- white women, truly. <laughs> I mean, I know we talk a lot about white women because, I mean, read the room. I, I really enjoyed the book. And I think that it's really important that people read it because there is something in it for like, no matter what part of you needs it, there is something in it for a part of you. And I think that that's really important for women to know that when they open a book, there will be something in it for a part of them that desperately needs it because we don't take the time to, t- to meet women where they are. And I think that, that this book untamed does that very well. So oh, I'm really beautiful. glad we got to talk to you. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And you, and, you, and you know, I don't just be giving out compliments to white women. No. Really? <laughs> it means so much to me. <laughs> I don't just be being nice. <laughs> well, we really did it. We really solved all the problems. No, we solved everything today. <laughs> The world's fine now, you guys. We, we fixed did it. it. Also, I I wrote for the ESPYS one time. Is that an SP in the back? I swear. I want it. Yeah, I <laughs> that is an SP, right? I was like, yeah. I lo- you guys, real quick before we go, I'll tell you this: the night that Abby won that SP, yeah, was when we were. She got the Icon Award, and it was like Peyton and Kobe actually, and it was your first night together, right? I was hiding back in the hotel room. I was hiding. We just had sex for the first time. That- I, my whole life was like, oh, this is life. Like, it was the best day of my entire life, the day she won the essay. But I couldn't go with her because nobody knew about us. So I was just waiting. I was sitting in the hotel room shaking. Wow, wow, wow. That That is a gay-ass espy, and that's why it <laughs> called to me. So You felt it. You felt I its power, felt- Shantira. <laughs> I felt that gay fucking SP. I felt it. <laughs> I love it. Shantira forevermore. That would be the gay ass SP. The gay ass SP. I love that part in the book though too. I just love like, I love how you wrote so honestly about your love, like how you guys fucking did it for the first time like how that all happened like it's just it's it was it's great i love the, it it's the only freeing. thing i lo- the only thing i love more than a gay ass sp is a late in life lesbian love it <laughs> <laughs> love it i mean that's and, the quote and, and here's the yeah. thing. i'm not trying to put no labels on anybody but hey man if you want to leave your husband for a cool soccer player fuck yeah. it up <laughs> <laughs> fuck it up <laughs> That just made me choke. That was amazing. We love to see it. Thank you Uh, so much, Glenn. And this was like the most fun. It was Shantira. It was everything I dreamed it would be to hang out with you three. Oh, it was so fun. So nice. Thanks. Um. All right. Well, I guess this is it. I guess we gotta go. All right. Love you guys. Talk about J-Lo. You know why she looks so good? Super coffee? Maybe. Maybe that's part of it. It's a very indulgent, healthy, ready-to-drink alternative to sugary coffee drinks like a Frappuccino or other iced coffee and energy drinks. I haven't had one of those in years because I know that those sugary drinks are like 52 grams of sugar, 370 calories. And also like, it's just too much. Yeah. It doesn't feel great. No, it doesn't feel good. It feels gross. It's like not good for you. Well, super coffee is naturally sweetened and contains zero added sugar 
10 grams of protein and only 80 calories per bottle. I'm not a calorie counter. However, I really enjoy this super coffee. Everything they make is delicious. They have creamers, pods, grounds, and ready-to-drink coffee with flavors like vanilla, white chocolate, peppermint, caramel, hazelnut, coconut mocha, and so much more. What have you tried? Have you tried one? I love the coconut mocha, but I have to get the peppermint because that is my fave. But I also have just been using the ground coffee yes. as well yeah. recently really for my pour over yeah. and I think it's really tasty it has a 60 day money back guarantee meaning if you don't love it which you obviously will you get your money back no questions asked so lucky for you all listening who love coffee as much as we do we've worked out an exclusive deal for busy doing her best listeners you can receive 25% off plus free shipping on any of their best-selling variety packs. It's a great way to try all their delicious flavors. Guys, anytime we're talking about something on the show and there's a variety pack, get it. That's what they send us. It's true. So that we can try them before we agree to do the ads. And we, I always love a variety pack. Yeah. Go to drinksupercoffee.com slash busy or use code busy at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-S-U-P-E-R-C-O-F-F ee.com slash busy super coffee is also available nationwide in over 25,000 stores like target whole foods walmart kroger and cvs anyway get in to that coffee it's good enough for j-lo it's good enough for you have you ever stopped to wonder why we make so much stuff overseas like all of our clothing and how sometimes that clothing that you're like oh I'm just gonna get this cheap cheap sweatshirt falls apart immediately yes after one wash or shrinks immediately well I want to talk to you about American Giant American Giant has built a 100% USA based supply chain and it makes clothing that's durable and not disposable it isn't fast fashion. This clothing is made to be worn more and kept longer. Sweatshirts, hoodies, t-shirts, tanks, leggings, dresses, skirts, and even accessories. The quality is incredibly high quality. High. I've gotten my kids some of the sweatshirts for school. Um, I really like it's all very well made. It's American Giant is reclaiming the American tradition of making high quality clothes that actually last. Um, I just know that when I was like looking into doing merch and stuff for our podcast, for doing my kids school stuff, it's like, you really do want to make sure that like things you're putting money back into the communities. Right. And so American giant, it's one of their mission statements and they're really, uh, doing it. They're doing it. So if you would like some nicer clothes that are actually going to last, Go to American-Giant.com. You'll even get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code BEST, B-E-S-T, at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use code BEST at American-Giant.com. Go get a cozy sweatshirt. <laughs> Hey guys, we're back. Wasn't that nice? Do you feel inspired? I felt I very inspired, but also like I want to congratulate us for not grilling Glennon about knowing Oprah. 
That was very. Yes, we didn't even we didn't even bring it up. It was very cool and mature of us. I feel like. I feel yeah, like I'm guys, saving it. Um, guys, we have not we have not discussed the breakup of the century. Well, the century. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I guess Ben Affleck well, and right now Anna it is the breakup Armas. of the de- the decade. We could say that. Right it's yeah, the, it's the breakup of this week. Yes. Yeah. Guys, who even, like, honestly, so much fuckery has happened in celeb culture these first few weeks of 2021. People are just, like, getting it out in the open. It's a good time, though, because insurrection is the best time to do a breakup. Insurrection is the best time to do a breakup. Truly. It's going to be on our next round of (laughs) merch. Does someone write it down, please? It's interesting to me because they've been so public um so i feel like you know maybe they didn't want their breakup to be private i don't know but i'm so sad because i'll miss those pictures of them laughing and laughing together i am too and also like they just moved in together and i do feel a little bit like i think maybe i mean she anna diarmas diarmas i don't know how to say it anna or anna she's diarmas Diarmas. We we hardly knew ye, but she is much younger. You yeah, know, she's, she's thirty two years 32. old. So when I found out that the 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 thing that they released, they were like, they're in different places in their lives, and I'm like, yeah, they're in different places in their life expectancy. He's old as fuck. Yeah. She's hot and young. Break up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's about right. And and I also just think like that thing that shifts when you start to cohabitate with someone can be real fucking shocking yeah yeah where you're like oh you're this person oh no i mean i can't imagine what she didn't know about him she always seemed she was tired of all that duncan what's the over under you he must own a part of dunkin donuts he owns stock, like, right? Like something. I There's feel like if he doesn't, ownership. It's, it's foolish if he does not. Yes, I agree. Has anyone dug deep into the Ben Affleck Dunkin' Donuts connection? Is he, is he, does he own part of it? Is he a stockholder? Well, does he, he's has, is so he a franchisee? I think he's so rich. And I think like he can have the fanciest donuts in the world, but like if you're Ben Affleck, like, Going to Dunkin' Donuts three times a day is like when you're a kid and a hundred dollars like so much money. Like that's like a dollar to him. So like it's he also can just do it. It's also just a Massachusetts thing. That is yeah. how loyal every person from Massachusetts is to Dunkin' Donuts for life. Oh yeah. They, 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 yeah. We probably just have Dunkin' Donuts in Los Angeles because of Ben Affleck. That's what I would bet. I bet that he lobbied the the company to bring a franchise out here so that he Honestly, could survive. I'm a Krispy Kreme bitch. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, me too, for sure. For sure. That had that had and ready sign, baby. Give it to me. I'm really, I really miss. Here's what I really miss from Los Angeles. I really miss In and Out. I really do. I don't uh, like it. You guys, what are you talking about? I don't think it's very good. I think their fries are better. <gasps> I like what? Whataburger is better. Whataburger. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Isn't um, isn't In and Out super religious? Yeah, it's controversial. Yeah, but <laughs> okay. I yes. I, did, I couldn't remember if that was true. It is true-ish, I yeah. think. But mm-hmm. like, like DL, I don't know. But I also remember the first time I had it and being like, "This, this is it." 
<laughs> I love the burgers from In-N-Out. I feel like this is like, this is hurting my feelings a little bit. Well, I also that. don't like special sauce. Wait, isn't there like In-N-Out? Space? There's no In-N-Out. Isn't there In-N-Out no. in New York? No. Dang. I thought there was supposed to be one. It seems like Maybe they, but they didn't do it. Got all the plans. Part of it is the produce availability or uh, whatever, because they have like a whole thing about their produce being like fresh and whatever, yeah. whatever. It has to be less than a day away or something. Fresh produce is like a thing in Manhattan. <laughs> oh my God. But wait, Cricket, Cricket literally was like, what's wrong with all the blueberries and oranges here? And I was like, oh, Cricket. I know. I used to work um, on in this building on Broadway, and it was around the corner from the deli where everyone went to get their lunch. And every morning there would just be like a clear trash bag full of um, shredded iceberg on the sidewalk. Ew! <laughs> and I would just be like, "There's all your lunch." Can I just say it's that so gross. I really connect with cricket on that orange thing <laughs> because I'm from Florida, so I'm a hundred percent a fruit snob. Because like, especially, especially citrus are not right. And that but is like, so funny to me. He's <laughs> right though. But like all the, fr literally all the fruit it's, that we get here, she like takes one bite and she's like, I don't know what this is, but this is not mango. <laughs> <laughs> like it is mango. Not, it just though. traveled it's... three days to get here. <laughs> I'm not. sorry. I really uh... love a fruit snob. I really love a baby fruit snob. It is bringing oh, me so much she's... joy. She's so funny. <laughs> love it. Yeah. There's nothing worse than a baggy blueberry. <laughs> Ugh, gross. Well, um, guys, I still feel fluey. I hope that this goes away, and I hope that I don't actually like have flu that would be wild uh, yeah i texted rannells and i was like because we work together all day on friday and i was like you feel fine right and he was like yeah i feel totally great and i was like okay well then because we were all up in each other's faces yeah so i feel like if i feel like this has to be flu shot related right yeah i think so but we but flu shots are great everyone so don't Keep doing that. No. <laughs> am I am I spreading? I'm spreading. You're bordering on anti-vax. Celebrity anti-vaxing. I am a lot of things, <laughs> but an anti-vaxer, I am not. Here's the thing. Get those fucking vaccines, even if it takes you down. <laughs> no, I I believe that you probably are like it probably knocked you for a loop because I always get like the glassy eyes. I feel like I have a fever, but I also have had the flu, so I know that like feeling bad for half a day or a day is so much better than having the fucking flu. <clears throat> okay, wait. Jessica Beale and Justin Timberlake had a secret pandy baby named Phineas. Yeah, it's true. Are we calling pandemic babies pandy babies? I, I, I wasn't. <laughs> I love it. That's the cutest thing ever. Casey, did you make that up? I mean, I it's, it's not my best work, but I guess I typed that. Out. I love it. <laughs> I saw JLo clapping back at Instagram commenters about the Botox and fillers thing. I am going to say something wild. I don't think she has had Botox or fillers. Oh, I, I don't, don't think, think so either. either. I've stood very, very close to JLo's face mm -hmm. and it's just Me how too. she looks. Also, Me too. real talk, she's Puerto Rican. She got that melanin, baby. She don't, it don't take much to keep it tight. She won't even drink I mean, champagne. She was like, yeah, I, I'll snap. That's right. She won't even drink champagne to keep that body tight. So right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw her a melanin card and be like, that bitch is not gonna melt. Also, doesn't her <laughs> mother think, look amazing? Yeah, and I think it's really weird that people insist on 
that everybody is always getting something done. Yeah. Like that to me gets real fucking annoying. Like JLo is living an exceptional life. Obviously she's got the benefit of all the money so she can have uh-huh. the trainers and the yeah. things and the things and whatever. But at the same time, there's also just jeans. Yeah. Know, people just have good jeans. And like, I, why are people, I just get over it guys. Maybe you can't exist without Botox and fillers, but my JLo can. I've seen her up. I've seen her up close. Very, very close. I sat next to her once at the Golden Globes. And <laughs> you know, I, you, I told, did I ever tell you this? I could tell that she was like, she was, trying, she was so, she was beautiful. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like the most beautiful person I've ever seen IRL. And I've seen so many beautiful people. <laughs> But at one point during the night, every day, um, well, at one point she was like, oh, that's sweet. My cousin says I look beautiful on the red carpet. And she like showed me a text from my cousin. I was like, that is sweet. That's nice to know that JLo's like reading texts from her cousins being like, I'm so glad that that person, that my cousin reached out and told me that I look beautiful. She's very sweet. The reason why I've been close to her is because when I worked at Watch What Happens Live, she was a guest several times but mm-hmm. also whenever her best friend leah remini would come on the show jayla would sit in the audience she would come and support her and it was Aww. an audience of like 15 people so jayla would just be sitting right next to me oh that's I, wonderful I, I they're like you and michelle jayla mm-hmm. and leah i've off, i've often said that that they're like us <laughs> i did not yeah, i did not know they were best friends but yes. I, do, I do love when super hot famous people just go to regular stuff because it's always like, am I ugly? Like I, <laughs> my friend said that Ryan Reynolds walked into a bar one time that he and his friends were at. And he was like, he's just like this older gay guy. And he was like, my dick tingled for no reason. And I turned around <laughs> and Ryan, Ryan Reynolds was in. He was like the power he had. And it was also like when he walked in, it was like one of those things where you're like, it's the same thing when Sonequa uh, Green came to Busy tonight. I'll never forget. She walked in and I was like, is everybody, does everybody I know, are they ugly? Like, it's, it's, I was like is, every, is everybody ugly? Because I've never seen that face before. When I, like years and years ago, I want to say this was like 15 years ago at Toast on 3rd Street. They used to have the best cupcakes at Toast and people would wait for hours outside to eat. Do you remember Toast? Anyone? Anyone? No. Toast. Anyway, <laughs> Toast on Third Street. I was like just running in to get coffee and the person in front of me turned around and I audibly gasped. It was Jared Leto. Oh. Well, he does have a pretty girl face. Yeah. It was, and this was also 15 years ago, Jared Leto, although not that he's changed much. I saw him at a health food place not long before I left Los Angeles. He was like so alien looking in his perfection that yeah. it was like hard for my brain to process. Yeah. yeah. Like I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. And I also love when they have something that is like so human that you never caught on film before. So there's like a couple of people that like have secret cankles and like one person has like a really voluptuous butt and so i love learning that about celebrities when you get to see them in person where you're like oh my god your butt is way juicier than i ever noticed in a in a magazine that happened to me when i went to snl to see uh, a taping and i saw um nikki minaj yeah uh performed and i i like saw like 
Doja Cat has a thing. It's like her ass so fat. You could you, wait till you see it from the front. When you see it from the back, like I saw the back of her ass while I was looking. In <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I like was looking in Nicki Minaj's face and I was like, I can see your ass. Whoa. Uh, so like, I was like, I know your body is like, wild and sexy and then like i saw it in real life and i was like i don't think i've ever seen like a video vixen body yeah before yeah i've never seen a body that sexy in real life and i was like i'm from florida i've never it seen for the record the the juicy booty that i'm talking about is a man Ooh, I'm <laughs> Take it to the group i'll chat tell you about. <laughs> i'll tell you in the group chat um I know an actor who's a guy who people think is hot and he has a really big butt too. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he probably is hot, but just has like a big butt. Yeah, nothing wrong with a big butt if you're into that. Um, I don't know any big butt men, so both of you please. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, and then what were you, what is your thing? You're like, can our podcast develop some type of internet comment criteria? we can ask people to adhere to like when you should say something to a celebrity versus taking it to your group chat versus just ignoring it and living your life. What are you talking about? Oh, this is too good. Uh, Tygen, right? That's what you're talking yes. about. Chrissy Tygen, uh, quick update. Uh, so obviously um, she and John Legend no. lost a child and her Maybe. therapist was like, you should do something for mm -hmm. yourself. And she took a picture of a horse and she was like, I'm gonna start the horse riding. And then people were like, you don't understand what it's like to be poor. Why would you show a picture of this horse? And she was like, mm, trigger warning. I lost a child. My therapist told me to pick up a hobby. I'm gonna horseback ride. And they were like, read the fucking room. And I was like, the internet is bad. Please leave this lady alone. Let her ride horses. If she got money to for ho riding horses, that's great. Whatever she has to do for her grief, that is her fucking business. What do you what do you want her to fucking do that would help her grieve? Like, I don't understand. Mind your business. And that's what Well, this is that. like this is part of the issue, you know, it's something that we have like that you deal with when you are so open and you put yeah so much mm -hmm. of yourself and your life out there, which is that people feel in a, they feel very entitled to all of it. Right. Like they feel like you mm -hmm. owe them. Yeah. And B Chrissy is obviously like going on her own journey and like her journey doesn't have to look like yours right. person sitting at home. Like yeah. you guys aren't actually the same people. You haven't lived the same lives. And like, so if equine therapy is helping what she's going through in this moment, and you've never heard of equine therapy, she's not inferring that it means that you're somehow inferior or like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just like people take these things so deeply personally in a way that is really crazy making. And like, when you talk about, when we are talking about like, let's all come together. This is the part where this is like, where we all could use some help. Like, my experience does not have to be the same as your experience to be a valid experience. Right. And your experience, yes. yeah, my again, experience baby. does not have to be the same as your experience to be a valid experience. And yes. it doesn't like mean that she's so out of touch and she's like, you know, with her privilege and her wealth. I don't know. We, I don't know your life but you don't get to judge what she's doing to help herself. And she's trying to share in the hopes, I would imagine how she has been sharing throughout this entire experience, which has been like really 
heart-wrenching and heart-wrenching to watch as somebody who peripherally knows her a bit and like just from friends from the internet but like I think she's done such a service to people who by normalizing a really hard terrible loss that she and her husband and her family went through that so many people go through and get very like don't want to talk about feel shame and hold on to things and the how do they deal with the grief and she's been very open with it so to see her like dragged for this makes me makes me annoyed it goes both ways right like i don't think i'm better than you or my experiences are better than you and you can't you can't judge my experiences because of what i do have in this moment yeah Does that make sense so, yeah i just think yeah. it would be handy this is where i think like i think it would be of service if someone official developed a set of criteria it could be really simple for whether or not you should call a, someone out for something that they posted online like here's a simple question did chrissy's horse hurt you no then don't fucking say anything let's move on let's casey move on. i think you need to do this list <laughs> you're perfect for this <laughs> just like maybe a little flow chart did chrissy's horseback riding lesson hurt you in any way if no keep scrolling that's it casey i'm gonna i'm gonna put you on point for this one <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I think this is your area of expertise, in fact. And okay. I think you're really good at it because as we know, you worked at Watch What Happens Live for many years. It's true. So you had to determine what was our business and what was not our business it's to true. discuss. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also just like a service that I've worked for a lot of celebrities. And one thing I've been very proud of is, uh, you know, when people have come to me and been like, hey, should I say this? And um, I always say, no, you should not. And <laughs> if you have to ask, the answer is probably no. Truly, especially if it's on the internet. Yeah. If it's on the internet, I like, I'll ask my friends about jokes. I'll be like, do you get this? And then they'll be like, yeah, and I'll post it. But if you have, if you have to be like, should I say this? I just take a screenshot of stuff and then I send it to my friends and then we like and talk about it. Exactly. Exactly. And the group chat is, that's why the group chats are worthwhile. And that's why we need to keep maintaining our group chats. Yeah. Everybody out there. Mm -hmm. Your group um, chats are a beautiful garden. They you are. Have, I know. You have I'm, always, them. I'm always astonished when I, peep, someone will ask me in a comment, like, where is that necklace from? And I'll say what it is. And then they'll respond like, oh, do you know how much that costs? Get real. And I'm like, okay, listen, you I can't. Me, you asked me I the can't. question. Guys, I simply cannot. Don't fucking <laughs> yeah. find the ripoff on Etsy. I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't buy Birdie the J.W. Anderson Harry Styles sweater. I just found a lady on Etsy who made it for us. Um, <laughs> Although don't rip off art, like pay people with a worth, whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys, you guys. No, I, but truly like before we shut this down, I will say that like, sometimes you just have expensive tastes and I think you should get less mad about uh, how much stuff costs and just really reconcile that you have good taste. Yeah. Like I really have been like trying to figure out what my favorite chair was when I was working in an office and I finally like figured it oh, out I and it cost $1,400. And I was like, Fuck, <laughs> my taste is so good, you know? 
So like, don't get mad if you like something it costs like $5,000. Just be like, damn, impeccable. Champagne taste. My mom always used to say that about me too, that I always had the most expensive taste that I would like be able to pick out the thing that was like. I was so mad. I really tried because like I bought a like a, ch- a chair for like 80 bucks because I'm I'm sitting in a chair all the time right. for work and then I was like damn what was that NBC chair I like started looking up fancy chairs and guess what I landed on fucking Herman fucking Miller $1,400 chrome bullshit I was so mad <laughs> <laughs> that is annoying because that's that seems too expensive for a chair I don't like this chair that I'm sitting in currently and I recently AKA this morning decided I was going to buy a new chair. And then I got very overwhelmed. There's a lot of chairs out there. There's a lot of options. But just think about what you like when you're at an office. Because then I also started freaking out because I was like, they bought everybody $1,000 chairs. How do you get them wholesale? NBC, call me. That's why I told you. I was like, go and try to find a used one because that's exactly the kind of chair that every company buys 200 of and then they go bankrupt a week later because they spent all their money on 200 yeah. $1,400 chairs. I found a place and they sell refurbished ones. And I was like, that makes sense because like all a bunch of offices are closed now. So they just got rid of all those office chairs. So I'm going to get one. I'm going to invest in myself and write it off. But yeah, the chair that I really like was $1,400 and I was furious. (laughs) Um, I mean, that would make me furious as well. Um, I am going to like maybe go lie down because I feel weird still. That makes sense. I don't, I mean, I don't know what else. I think it was, honestly, I think it was the detoxing massage. Yeah. No, I didn't. And I drank too much other stuff. When you get massaged, it really does loosen up all the lactic acid in your body and you really need to flush it out. And if you don't drink exceptional amounts of water post any massage, you will feel Yeah, It's probably just everything together. You got a shot. You've been working really hard. You're tired. You got a massage that- America. America. (laughs) You you have like poisons floating through your body from your massage. That's right. All kinds of things. Yeah. I want to say I'm- I'm hopeful in this moment right now. I'm glad we're releasing this on Tuesday before inauguration Wednesday. Here's just like sending all the positive thoughts and vibes that there's just going to be nothing but a peaceful transition, no bullshit, no white supremacists. Just vibes. Just Good nice vibes, vibes to just Washington. Nice vibes. I'm just sending the nice vibes to DC. Uh, and yeah, that's all I got. That is literally all I know. And and then Casey's going to ask you guys to subscribe. And Busy and Casey are the only ones who do that because I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. You can get it anywhere. Um, and yeah, share it, download it. Downloads are important, I hear, I'm told. And uh, that's what people say. <laughs> yeah. I, follow us it would be on... nice. Here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. I'm just gonna be straight with you. I'm just gonna be as honest, radically honest as possible. <laughs> we need more people to listen to this fucking podcast. Otherwise, it's not gonna be helpful <laughs> for us to continue doing <laughs> Because we all have 4,000 other jobs, and your moms need to fucking hustle out there on the street. <laughs> What is happening? What am I even saying at this point? I'm so 
don't know. You gotta, I gotta lie yeah, down. you gotta lie do down. Do I look pe- do I look a little <laughs> peaked? Yeah. Seriously. I do, right? I yeah. do. Shit. I mean shit. You know I hate being sick more than anything. You know it's like my least like for me being like a little sick is the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah, just get, just knock me down because I don't want to have yeah. to keep doing yeah. this. Stuff. Yeah. You're gonna take I have faith that you're gonna take a nap. You're going to drink a bunch of liquids, take a nap, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you're going to feel amazing when you get up. Tomorrow morning, amazing. I'm going to be great. And flu free. Yeah. You just got yeah. to go to bed. The answer to everything is going yeah, to bed. It's true. It's you guys, busy has to I lay to, down. I have to go lay down. I love you guys. We love you. So love Everybody you. be safe. Everybody be good. Call up the white supremacists in your lives. That's your job for this week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh no.